So you've decided to listen to the Reality Czars podcast. How brave of you. Nate and Paranoid American may think that they're merely discussing cryptozoology, interdimensional realities, and crude humor. But know this, listening to this podcast puts you on a certain list, the Clinton body count, if you will. The truths they reveal are not for the faint of heart, nor the blissfully ignorant. Listen, if you dare, but remember, some doors, once opened, cannot be closed. And now, your hosts, those audacious explorers of forbidden knowledge, the reality czars, Nate and Paranoid American. And we're live. Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars podcast. And we're your hosts tonight, Nate and Thomas, the paranoid motherfucking American. Thomas, you're on mute, buddy. <laughs> I said, you watch your motherfucking mouth. <laughs> Dude, we are honored. We are so fucking happy. We got Tony. We have Tony Merkel on the show. Welcome, brother. How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. Heck yeah, dude. Uh, so, Tony, um, everyone should know who you are. But for any of our guests that live under a rock, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, where they can find you, and what's the best way they can support you? Uh, yeah, Tony Merkel, host of the Confessionals podcast. That's kind of how I started all this stuff. Now I am CEO of Merkel Media, and uh, we do films, documentaries. We're coming out with a full feature movie next year. Um, we're actually just today we were kicking around some new ideas. I I almost let it out, and I can't. But uh, I, I that's that's one of my curses is I talk too much and I say too many things because uh, what got me here is just saying what I think and. That's also what kind of gets me in trouble with my partners is that I say too much too early. Um, but yeah, we just do a lot of content and um, I, I'm i really big on uh, being a contributing person to culture. And so that's kind of what the mission is with Merkel Media uh, in our own way. Uh, the Confessionals is a podcast where I interview people on their paranormal experiences and we go down the, the weird, wild road of crazy you know and it's gotten crazier and crazier as the years have gone on but uh that's how we all started this journey together which was the confessionals and now we're just doing a bunch of stuff like our first documentary was uh expedition dogman where i i went to the woods of kentucky daniel boone national forest and hunted the dogman uh for a week and that was based off an episode uh episode 335 expedition or i called it um uh, dog versus dog man and basically this guy came on his name's kyle and uh, he recalled a time when he was 15 he went out hunting with his dogs uh late one night with his to go coon hunting with his grandfather and um long story short he encounters a a dog man some people would call it a werewolf an upright walking dog uh and the only reason why he's still alive is because his hunting dog saved his life uh and it was very dramatic and i asked him if he showed me where would he show me where this happened he said yes and so i i, I just scraped together a team of guys to go to the, to the the forest and and look right well it turned out that the team of guys i scraped together are, are very talented and we're like hey we're on to something here guys because we i thought it was just gonna be a youtube video i put it on youtube in like a month or two it had like two hundred thousand views and i was like well this is interesting and so uh, we decided to uh, do it again, and we went out to uh, uh, Utah, and we went to a property called Space Wolf Research that borders Skinwalker Ranch, and uh, we spent a week out there, which is the the film The Shape of Shadows that we just released on Merkle.media. Uh, our films are available on Merkle.media. 
uh, people can stream from there. And um, the Expedition Dogman is also available on Apple, Amazon, Tubi. Uh, the Shape of Shadows eventually will be on there, but right now it's exclusively on Merkle.media. So uh, that's a little bit about me, a little bit all over the place. But uh, yeah, basically started out as a, a truck driver doing podcasting, then went full-time podcasting. Now I'm a CEO of Merkle Media trying to do filmmaking. And uh, it all started from a poor trailer park kid in Pennsylvania. So it, it's been a wild ride. Cool, man. That's really awesome. I I was like this close to becoming a trucker. I was uh, trying to find a way out of uh, food service. I'd been a chef for many, many years, and I thought maybe trucking was my way out. And I kind of found my way into machining, and that's what I'm doing now. But uh, that's an interesting spot to come from. I mean, I, you have long hours with like just nothing to do but listening to podcasts and I know, I know. It, I, I have, I hardly listen to podcasts now that I don't drive truck. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a blessing and a curse because I, I, I desperately wanted to get out of trucking. Um, when I started driving truck, I mean, I, I, I got my CDL when I was like twenty one, but I didn't really commit to driving truck for real, for real until I was in my late twenties, um, and shortly after i got in at the company i wound up quitting from to do podcasting um i had like a like a spiritual um uh i don't want to say revelation basically i can't became a christian and uh it was very dramatic for me and so uh driving alone all day in the truck i was like well i'm not really meant to do this with my life i feel like i i should do something more greater with my life than be alone staring at a window turning a wheel and pushing pedals like there's nothing wrong with that my dad does it to this day but for me i was called to do something different and greater and um and so it was a blessing in the sense of like i so it was a curse in that sense but it was a blessing because it gave me 12 to 14 hours a day where i had to be in a truck and all i could do is think and that's all I did is think. And I can't tell you how many days there were. The radio didn't get turned on. It was just me, the diesel motor, and just thinking and game planning and uh, dreaming. And uh, it, it kind of allowed me to really to kind of get in, into my own head. Uh, a lot of times people have these like surface level desires to pursue, but they don't give themselves the rooms to actually, the room to really develop that dream and goal and, and the, the desire to let it you know, blossom. And uh, I was fortunate to have a job where it only required mindless turning a wheel and shifting gears. And I could just kind of go off into this other space. And that's what I did. And that's when I really kind of honed in on this idea that I basically wanted to be the Joe Rogan of paranormal podcasting. And um, that's been my goal since then. I still think there's room to get there, obviously, but... Uh, that's how I approach my show, a very conversational format. I really don't care what people think about me. I don't really care about how I feel about uh, their views. It's just good conversation. Um, we try to keep it on topic with paranormal conversation and your experiences. But past that, anything goes. And I just have a good, con good time and uh, I try to have fun. Uh, a lot of times in this field, especially with the podcaster researcher type people they tend to get a little too serious and uh i, I try to just kind of keep it chill you know sometimes like you have somebody that comes on and you can't help it that has to be serious like you got when you got somebody saying that a demon raped them yeah that's a that's a problem you know what i mean like 
that's a problem and we're not going to be you know chuckling a whole lot but um you know when somebody's like yeah the portal opened up in front of me i'm just like what you know i kind of get crazy with it because i'm just like this is nuts but uh, <laughs> i i just uh i love everything i I'm, do i'm but, laughing imagine you giving that response to the first question oh, what yeah, i'm telling you <laughs> yeah. like the best is when i have people in studio with me uh I, I, when i moved to tennessee i got a facility outside the house and um so now i really taking that step towards the joe rogan right and uh, I even sit at the same spot at my table as Joe Rogan does when I do my interviews in person. And like, you guys get the same haircut and everything, man. Yeah, I know. As above, so below. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I, I, uh, I told, um, I told uh, uh, the guests because they come in and they're like, um, they're like, where do I sit? I'm like, well, don't sit there. That's the Rogan seat. That's my seat. You know. So uh, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I just have fun with it, guys, and and see where it goes and. It's been a pretty wild ride. I'm very lucky to be doing what I do, so I don't take it for granted. That's you said, awesome. uh, you, you said that you were out hunting Dogman a second ago. One of my favorite questions to ask anyone that does this kind of work, like, are you prepared to shoot Dogman, and are you prepared to shoot Bigfoot if he comes at you? Not even if I if he comes at me if I see him. Like, so is is that Dogman and Bigfoot? <laughs> yeah yeah so why would you why would you want to to kill bigfoot why wouldn't i want to kill bigfoot why would i want to kill a deer it's the same thing to me you know like, is it because isn't bigfoot technically something that could be on a higher spiritual existence than us or no no i don't i don't think that crap no i know if, if it bleeds it dies you know like <laughs> that's how See, I this is interesting dude because i heard you say that on our buddy chris's show you were like i'm right i'm gonna shoot it and and i've heard many because man, we get we get deep into the topic of what the fuck is what is Bigfoot? Yeah, man? is he physical? Is he interdimensional? Can you shoot him? We've heard the stories Probably of not. people like hunters. Like, I've heard the stories though of hunters like smoking a Bigfoot, and then like a man in black coming to clean up and being like, "You didn't see shit." And yeah. so like there is there does seem and so man, I, I get real fucking weary with that shit because. I feel like that maybe those are like government experiments. Those are like homunculus, you know, kind of things that they're playing with, that they're kind yeah. of putting out there to like scare people as Bigfoot. But what, well, what, what is really Bigfoot is something they can't control. They don't, you know, it's something like, it's something more spiritual that is like interdimensional that kind of like can shift and like, and can appear and like, they're trying to control the narrative, but you know, maybe they have like, anyways, I don't know. What are your thoughts? What if it is? What if it's Harry and the Hendersons? You tell me you're going to shoot Harry? Yes. Yes. What Tony's telling me? Tony's saying he's going to smoke him. Why would you shoot Harry? Like I, I understand if it's Dogman and it's just like pure animal vengeance spirit, but like, dude, Harry and the Hendersons, he helped out that kid and like they went against bullies and and had the whole freaking story arc. So, I don't know. Man. Like I, I feel like there might be something wrong about that. Like I would probably rather shoot a human than shoot Harry. What? No. Yeah, dude. Are you kidding me? So you uh, you wouldn't rather shoot Hitler than shoot Harry. I mean, if I had my choice, I'd shoot Hitler for sure. For sure. Uh, well, there you go. Okay. I, I, in, in that in that situation, sure. Okay. I guess uh, it's the only situation you rather you wouldn't shoot a Bigfoot is if it was just between so, him and Hitler. So here's the thing, like I think if I pull the trigger, there's a strong possibility the bullet doesn't meet the flesh. Uh I I, I do think that these things have uh 
unexplainable capabilities. Um, so is it almost kind of- a test? Like if you see one, you're going to see if, if, if you see a, if you see Buddha or- walking on the road, kill him or something yeah. like that. Just pull the trigger, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a Tennessee talking. <laughs> now, the other question, Tony, is do you have like special bullets or are these just stock? Like do you have I, like silver bullets or like dipped in holy water? Do you have any like uh I, I don't have any of those kind of special bullets. I I don't think uh I so my my thought is the bigger the better. And so my idea is uh 10 millimeter is a good starting spot, and that's what I have that I plan on using um, aim for the head or neck because I don't think if you shoot it in the chest is going to do much. Uh, I've heard a lot about the rib cages and the, the bone structure being almost like bulletproof. Like it's so thick. That skull's got to be thick though too. I'm yeah. That's why, that that's why I think you got to hit that neck. It's nice and soft. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, 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 I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but here's, I, I, I think that, <laughs> I think Bigfoot, Dogman, all that stuff. I think they have many different um, places of origin. You know, I, I think that the government definitely is dabbling in the recreation of these things. Uh, and there's also so there's that angle. There's also the interdimensional angle, which I believe in uh, very much. And uh, then there's also the uh, maybe the, the 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 remnant of an ancient. Um, dabbling with fallen angels um there's a lot of different angles to go with and i think there's there's really um credence to a lot of the different That's theories true. i just think that if and this is this is i i say it kind of because i, I want to be like clickbait you know so i say yeah i'm gonna kill it you know one i don't think i ever i'll ever see one two if i see one will i have the stable hand to even pull the trigger accurately uh three will i even think about it uh, and then, and then, if I get through all those situations, I think there's a really strong likelihood that it won't matter much, anyways, because it might just vanish right in front of me. I, I've I've heard enough of this stuff that to think to know that to think to think that this thing is just you know Patty walking through the woods and oh I caught it on camera. That's that's not what these things are for the most part. That that a lot of people are experiencing. We have theories about that too. What was that? About the Patterson Gimlin. I said we have theories about that too. The Patterson Gimlin oh, okay. image. Yeah. yeah. What what's that? The dude in the suit. Well, I mean it, yeah. well, so I mean, there is like the idea maybe it was just a person in the suit. And that's where Thomas leans. Yeah. He's more of the skeptic. I'm more open to the to the paranormal. Um to be honest, man, it, it's like I've talked to a couple guests and I've talked to a couple friends that have talked about how um they think that like the older the older the technology um it was actually like capable of capturing something like this like with the spectrum that it uses to like um, there's absolutely no science or even theories to back any of that up though other than conspiracy delusion interdimensional technology blocking but i mean i i think i think like possibly dude like the first time that you saw one of these things like it didn't i don't know i don't i don't fucking know dude but it's fascinating i think it i think it's possible that that was a real bigfoot and i'm not sure if it was or not yeah i mean i so i don't know i never i never met uh roger patterson you know but i i've spent a lot of time with bob gimlin i can say that he believes it was real for sure yeah um and so whether he was being duped that's 
that could be debatable, debated, I guess. But um, I think Bob Gimlin himself, he 100% believes in what he saw that day. And um, I'm just a dumb retired trucker turned podcaster, so I'm not going to tell people what is and what isn't. I just have a fun conversation about the weird stuff. So, um, But there's a lot of people that line, up, line on the fence on both sides of that. Some people say there's some kind of massacre that day that they killed a bunch of bigfoot or something like that I, I don't know the whole story behind that but i've heard a lot of theories about the paddy all i know that is if tony merkel had been there that day there would have been a dead bigfoot <laughs> or a dead guy in a suit that, or that or a dead. bunch of holes and trees around the bigfoot because i was doing this the whole time you know <laughs> listen like that's the thing like you could talk tough and everything but when you're in those moments and stuff i mean the, the adrenaline pump, like even if you're not scared, the adrenaline pump itself, like that's why people do um, real life scenario practicing on gun ranges and stuff because they want to get the body motions going and stuff because it's 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 great in theory. It's great going out on the range and you're in common practicing my breaths before I pull the trigger. Oh, look at that. I hit hit right in the middle. Uh, it's another thing when the adrenaline's pumping. So, um, you know, and, you know, you're you're retired military so you you know about that like it, it, yeah, you ever do competition shooting because that, that's a whole nother level too where yeah. not only do you have to do it but you have to do it in a time frame and you got to do it faster and better than the person next to you and I, uh man that that just like trains you for a whole extra level the last the last competition i did um i i went with one of the guys in my grouping was a national champion his name was tony and i was like oh this must be a good sign he like like i was yeah. i was like oh, you're amazing you're like <laughs> so there's yeah. something special about watching someone that's truly like a freaking you know marksman yeah. uh expect because i do three gun competitions and there's some people out there that can like school you in all different calibers and like you know shooting bowling pins or shooting you know targets or long shots or uh, yeah. there's so many cool toys man i'm gonna geek out over just like shooting stuff thomas we gotta go shooting man I love, I love it, dude. You would, you would have no, you wouldn't believe. You'd be proud of me if you, if you saw what we got. I love yeah. You'd both be proud of me. You'd be like, I'm proud of you. <laughs> That's awesome. We're, I'm ready for, we're for skunk ape here in Florida. Trust me. <laughs> Tony, can you tell us the story that we were talking about right before we hit go? You were saying oh, yeah. that there was like, uh, can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I, uh, so I, I, the reason why it spawned is because uh, my wife texted me right before we hit record that my son said that somebody knocked on that the door and that she that I guess she went out and looked and there was no packages there like because sometimes our mailman drops stuff off late and um, and so I went upstairs to check and my son uh, he's you know not even six yet I asked him you know what it sounded like and he 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 mocked it and it was just uh real light knocks it wasn't like somebody hard knock it was just three light taps on the on the door and i said how many and he's like three four maybe i think three and i was like three hmm okay so just noted because i know there's a lot of symbolism there with three knocks um i actually had a show where that happened too where the guy was talking about uh the knocking and happening in threes and what as he said it there was this knock three three knocks uh like somebody was knocking on wood and the crazy thing is i got it on recording i heard it but he didn't hear it i stopped the interview and i was like did you hear that and he's like no what so i stopped the recording played it back for him and he's like holy crap like i i didn't hear that and uh it what 
it wasn't in my house. I, I think it came through from his side. Oh, yeah, it definitely wasn't from my house because when I'm doing my interviews, I have my mic on mute when somebody's talking. And so um, it definitely wasn't in my house. It was weird. But anyways, um, the story I was telling you about before I, before we went, went live here, um, uh, I think it was about a month or two ago. Um, I, was in, I wasn't home, which I think is a symbolic thing. Uh, weird things tend to happen when I'm not home. Uh, and I have to go through and kind of cleanse my house. Uh, but, um, yeah, so my, my wife, she was putting my daughter down for a nap one afternoon and, uh, she was laying on the bed and she heard somebody behind her whisper real lightly. She, that goes, uh, mommy to her and she, she rolls over and thinking it was my son behind her. And um, it, nobody, nobody was there. So she just rolled back over and continued napping with uh, my daughter. And after nap time, she walks out of the, the bedroom and my son is in the living room and he comes running over to her and he said, uh, mommy, something really scary happened when you were in there with Gemma. And she's like, what? And he goes, somebody in the hallway, which the hallway that he's talking about is right outside my daughter's bedroom. He's like, somebody in the hallway uh, said, Benny and whispered his name benny to him and uh so at the same time my wife heard mommy somebody said benny to my son and um so i you know that scared him and so you know i uh i did what i do and and uh prayed over the house and and rebuked things uh and you know i hadn't had an issue since then i don't have a lot of issues in my home and when I do, I, I tend to just kind of take care of it on a spiritual level and, and move on. Um, you know, I don't really. Yeah, that's how I was raised, man. I was I was raised as a young Christian, dude. And my mom would uh, was teaching me to cast out demons and to rebuke Satan and to uh, definitely pray over the home. She would have me like putting oil on the doorways and things and, you know, mm. things like that. Blessing the house, and, like all the entrances, the windows, the doors, the <laughs> all that yeah, stuff. I don't, that's, I, don't, I don't think that... Um, I don't think it needs to be a, a big deal in the sense of like, oh, you know, who, you know, it's just, it, it, listen, it, it, the spiritual realm is real and like you take authority over it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah it's not something you have to be afraid of. You're absolutely right, man. If you stand firm in it, it's like yeah. Jesus, like God is bigger than all the other scary, spooky things. And I, I yeah, hundred percent. I think there's that's a, fascinating, dude. I think there's a, a a little kid song that that says something like that. It's like like God is bigger than the boogeyman or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I was watching that when he was a kid or vegetables or something like that. But uh, but yeah, I, I just I, I and maybe I'm also desensitized with what I do, you know. So like it doesn't really phase me a whole lot. Um, you know, I've he I've heard some really scary stories, and I've been through scary things. Like I, I I've been through. Like even before podcasting, I think it was like a precursor as to where my life was going to be heading the direction because I was always the kind of person I still don't watch horror movies. I don't watch scary movies because they scare me. And it's like what you do a crazy paranormal podcast. I'm like, yeah, but if I watch those movies, like I'd be scared to do my own show. Um, and so like I don't watch that stuff. I never have. Um, and then I had told you guys, I think I told you guys before we started recording, maybe it was while we were recording, but um after I, yeah it was while we were recording it after i was working driving truck um i had a, a very dramatic uh spiritual encounter with god and i turned my life over to jesus and at that point um i really um 
I was I, I I just on the spiritual journey, and when when I just felt moved, I would say things to people. And there was a guy I was getting to know. He was a receiver. He was unloading my truck, and um, I, I had gone there several times. And throughout the time of spending him unloading my truck, he was telling me a little bit about his life story, and it was just dramatic. I don't remember all the details, but I just remember this guy's story was really dramatic. And um, he, the one time I went in there, and he kind of tells me the last of it get, catching me up to speed where he's at today and i said to him i was like well what's the next step for your life man like where are you going to go now and he's like i don't know i'm probably just going to blow my brains out and uh, like straight face and so like in that moment i was like man you don't want to do that god's got plans for your life and uh as soon as i said god got god's got plans for your life he changed like he, like he, like a, a switch flipped and he looked at me like he never heard of like the word god and he started asking me questions. I was like, this is weird. Like, you never heard of God before? Like, you know, and so uh, he follows me out to my truck and uh, he, is, he asked me if I would come to his house to talk to him more about this God thing. And I was like, man, this guy's suicidal. Like, heck yeah, I'll come to his house and talk to him. And so that was on a Tuesday and uh, I left. And that, two, that Saturday, I made plans to go to his house at 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, this is, this is a long story, so I'll, I'll spare all the details, but I will say, um, that whole week I felt God was kind of preparing me for, a, a, a some dark spiritual warfare. And was, I've never, I've never encountered this before. I wasn't a podcaster. I wasn't in the paranormal realms. I had no clue what I was getting into. Um, but I just was like, I was very confused because I was like, man, I had such good interactions with this guy. This guy is such a, a kind person. Um, why would I have anything negative happen? But that's what I was feeling. I was like, like there's some, some darks gearing up. Um, I get to his house and like, even in his house, God was making like, like speaking to me directly, like be aware of the bookshelf telling me exactly where to sit. And I listened and I'm glad I listened. Uh, it's I spent three hours at this guy's house, and in that process, he revealed to me that he was uh, a member of the Church of Satan, and um, he did a lot of weird physical touching to me. Not in the set. Well, it wasn't too sexual. <laughs> maybe not to you, but maybe to him it was. Yeah, yeah. So like, it, 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 like it got really weird. It really got weird, and I didn't know how to handle it in the moment. Um, and I didn't even know what was happening. So part of it is uh, I had I had wound up talking to him about God, and um, and I and he was like seeming like he was really like into this conversation. And I was like, man, this guy like this guy seems like he's ready to like accept Jesus and go preach to to all these foreign nations. Like this guy was like like he was like physically looking like he. And so I said, you want to pray? And he said, yeah. And so. I prayed with them, you know, and I don't think you need to be in order to become a Christian. You have to pray. It's a heart issue. But, you know, I prayed with him. And when I when I was done, he stood up from his table and he's shaking violently. And he's like, I feel this energy just rushing through my body. And I was just like, I never saw that happen before. Like, I was like, this is weird. Uh, and he did that that very thing uh, two other times. And every time he did it, he asked to hug me. And when he had hugged me, he would wrap his arms around me real tight, full front body contact, like like he would push himself against me, put his head on my shoulder, and he would groan and exhale, a long exhale. And I had no idea what, what was going on. I was like, this guy's weird. But like, 
praise God, he's he's here to listen to me talk about Jesus. And uh, I I had no idea what was going on. Uh, I left his house after after the third time he did that. I was like three hours in. And I was like, I, I got to go. And so I left. Um, and for I, I invited him to my church. He never came. And like two weeks later, I, I he didn't have a cell phone. He only had landline or email. And I emailed him and I said, uh, you know, hey, you haven't come out to church the past couple of weeks. And I said, you're more than welcome to come out, man. You don't have to be nervous about it. Um, and he said, I, 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 I don't think this is for me. I was like, all right, you know, whatever. But like, I, it, it's just very confusing time that what, what had happened. And then like a year later I had started my podcast and I was sitting in my truck on my lunch break, talking to a friend and telling him this long story, uh, about all the details of what happened. And then it just hit me. I was like, hold on a second. I think this guy was got, trying to get me possessed or something. And like I started talking to people that are like more knowledgeable than me in this stuff. And they're like, it sounds like he was doing some kind of like ritual type thing with you. Um, like he invited me to his basement. To, it, like, yeah, what was that? I just said interesting. Oh, oh, sorry. So yeah, I mean, like, like that well the part of the basement part was like where god told me to sit so like he told me that i could sit um at the dining room table and there's only two chairs and um the one chair was between the table and the window and the other one was between the table and and the a door and I, I strongly felt god saying sit between the window and the table and so that's why i sat and then as the conversation unfolded he started talking about all the spiritual things happening in that house um hauntings and and demonic things happening and um i don't remember the whole detail it's been a long time but i remember in relation to what he was telling me he invited me into the basement to show me what was going on or something like that and the basement door was the one behind him where he was sitting that i chose not to sit in and i i always think like what if I sat in that chair and that door was behind me? Like, would it have been opening and somebody grabbed me and pulled me down the basement? Like, I had no idea what this guy was into. But it, it, it what was really weird is that um, I was a frequent, like, where he worked, it was a frequent place that I stopped at. And um, I went in there after that experience at his house and he was there. And, um, you know, he would unload my truck and we'd have good you know, kind conversation, you know, you know, I, I like, listen, I, I'm the kind of person I'm like, listen, you don't come to church. I don't care. Like, like it's my, my like my, my job is already done. I, I've shared with you what I know it's now between you and God, like it's not my problem. Um, and so like we had, we always had just fine conversation. And then that, that around that year mark, when I connected the dots, I never saw him again. And that was the weirdest thing to me. Like I, every time I went in there, he wasn't there. He was either on the other side of the warehouse or, you know, he, like the one time I said, Hey, where's Jay? And they're like, he's, where is Jay? Like, they're like, where is he? It was like, he was hiding from me. It's like, he knew that I knew. And, uh, and he was, and then eventually he changed departments. I never saw him again. And every time I went in there before then, like I saw him every time he was the guy I dealt with. And it was just kind of like odd. So, um, you know, I, I'll tell you this. I have ADHD and I have no idea how I got on that story. So you're going to have to reel me back. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. No, I mean, I have ADHD too. So my head's popping around too, as yeah. you're talking about it. Like I'm putting myself in that situation. Cause like I, especially a few years ago, I was like on this real kick where I was like, I'm doing like radical obedience to God, like mm -hmm. wherever God tells me to do, wherever God tells me to go, 
whatever God tells me to say, whoever he tells me to go and talk to, that's who I'm going to go and talk to. And like, did it, it sent me on some wild adventures, wild adventures. And, and as you're sitting there talking about it, like, well, I was putting myself in that situation and I was kind of thinking when he was grabbing you and he was exhaling, I thought those maybe were like, maybe he was coming from a sincere place and those were like demons leaving his body. Like maybe, maybe. it was actually like, and, um, but like when you do that, if he was sincere, like when you actually, like if you, if he was actually coming from like a satanic place and then he like, he was genuinely like trying to approach God, like when you let those demons out, you have to go, you have to go full submission to God because like, like if you don't, they will come back and they come back like tenfold. Yeah. Like it's just wild. And so I, I know that I, I've talked to a few folks too, that were like, um, they were ex Satanists and they, they've talked about like um, specifically when they would see people that had like Jesus in them, like they were actually afraid when they would see him, when they would see them, they would like be like kind of repelled, like, like Jesus's light, you know, that this little light of mine that I carry, like, um, I don't know. That's fascinating. Like you said, you never saw him again. Maybe like, uh, it, maybe he couldn't come back. Maybe when he saw you again, he just, uh, yeah. I don't know. It also made me think of this, this weird interaction I had with a coworker. There was this, there was this guy, I was, I was a chef at this, at this big corporation and this one guy, he would come and he would come and he would always come and talk to me. And he was an odd dude. He always, he had like black makeup on and he had black nail polish on and he kind of, he kind of reminded me of a vampire. He was kind of creepy <laughs> and like, but uh, my coworker, she had like this owl amulet on. She had like this pretty little owl earring. She was just, you know, and he just came up to her and like, when we were all talking, she, he was like, are you of the craft? Like, and <laughs> we were like, what? <laughs> she was like, Like no. arts and crafts? Like, yeah, arts and crafts, yeah. And then he, then he was like, oh, never mind. And then he like walked off. But then later he came up and talked to me and he was telling me because he was he was really into uh, Thomas. What is that where you uh, astral projecting? He was really into astral projecting. And he told me that he was trying to do like crime investigation, like he was trying to like help like missing children and stuff. But then he also told me that like he's like, I watch you sometimes. I was like, what? <laughs> to you personally? I mean, yeah, to me personally, no, he said that he would come because he, he was very gay, very flamboyantly gay. And he told me that he would watch me sometimes at night. He would come and visit me to come to my <laughs> Normally, I, I watch missing children, but tonight it's going to yeah. be you, Nate. Tonight, <laughs> Did you ever try like, asking him? We were like, why don't you come with me tonight and tell me what kind of underwear I'm wearing? Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. I'm not wearing any. <laughs> and he's like that's exactly why i came <laughs> that's what i came that's what i came for <laughs> you saved me a trip to the bathroom with you yeah i wanted to ask you tony what what were you before you you considered yourself christian were you like atheist were you like um, some other specific denomination i was nothing i was nothing i uh like even as a little kid were you ever like were you raised a certain way yeah, I was raised in a Christian household. Uh, well, I was raised in a household where we said we were Christian, but uh, my dad didn't really truly start taking his personal walk with the Lord serious until I was in high school. Um, 
And so like, that's his testimony to share. I tend to steer clear of that, even though parts of it involves me, I usually don't talk about it because it's not something that I ever want to talk about. And unless my dad is ready to talk about, you know, um, but so like I spent my entire childhood pretty much in a household where, you know, it was like, yeah, we go to church when we feel like it, you know, and, or when, when somebody feels guilty enough to go kind of thing. Uh, and I, is that what it was then? Was it more of like, I need to cleanse my guilt. So it's time to go to, to church. I, I, I think so. I, I, I think so. I mean, I really don't, I don't know because I was a kid. I just knew that there was a lot of Sundays or streaks where we would. Do, do you remember what you thought about it? Like when, when you first started hearing there's a hell and there's a Satan and yeah, there's angels. I was, like I was, I, I didn't understand much and I was scared. I was scared of this like death idea of like, I was actually scared that there was something after death that I had to consider. Like it, it scared me. Um, I think I probably would have rather just think that I returned to the earth and this, that's it. I'm like, okay, that's perfect. Uh, but this idea of something else after death, I was like, hold on, you know? So I, I, I remember that that scared me a lot. Um, but I didn't really have any kind of convictions and I actually kind of lived in my parents shadow spiritually once they, like, I think I was like in 10th grade when my dad really like he had a radical transformation in his truck one night by himself and he just changed. Like he came home with a different person. And, um, and so when that happened, I, uh, I started going to church because my parents were taking me to church in high school and I started feeling like, yeah, like I, I feel like this is the right path. Um, but I never really had that encounter with Jesus myself. And so without knowing it, I kind of just used my parents as spiritual crutches and I actually wound up going to Bible college right out of high school. And mm -hmm. I really wasn't even a Christian. Like, I don't think I was. Maybe God knows my heart better. Was God that because your parents wanted you to go or, or did you? Yeah, no, I, I, had no other, I had no other plans other than Full Sail, which is what you and I were talking about. And Full Sail, I was scared to go because I was 17 and there was no dorms. I was like, I don't know if I can handle living in my own apartment a lot, dude, a lot of young full sailors get robbed their first I'm, year out there because they sure. show up with their macbooks and their mpcs and and <laughs> they just get robbed immediately i believe it uh, I, and so i i went to bible college because i thought like one it was going to make my parents happy uh and two how hard could it be to be a pastor like you work one day a week like i was like that sounds kind of cool you know and so um i went through uh, some bible college i dropped out uh, I, I married a nice Christian girl, tricked her into marrying me. And, uh, we got married at a uh, young 21 year old. Um, and about 25, 26, about four or five years of my marriage, uh, I went crazy. I just went crazy and I, I couldn't take it. Like I saw my friends who were around my age, having time of their life, partying, going out, you know, banging a bunch of chicks and doing all this stuff. And I, and I, I'm, I'm shackled down with this woman and I'm like, I shouldn't even gotten married, all this stuff. And so for about two years, I went down this dark hole where I was trying to tank my marriage because I was too much of a coward to actually leave on my own. I, I needed to, to get her to say, we need to end this because whatever, like I needed her to agree. I couldn't just walk away because I was too, I was too much of a coward. Um, and, uh, for two years, I did that. And she just hung in there with me. And I remember the one day I came home, I was at my friend's house drinking, uh, we were watching the Eagles Redskins game. And um, 
I came home, it was like one o'clock in the morning. Uh, and my wife always went to bed early and she doesn't anymore because she's got kids, but she wishes she could. Uh, and she was up waiting for me at like one in the morning. I was like, this is weird. Like finally she's calling it quits. And, uh, she said, I need to talk to you. And I said, all right, I sat down at the table with her and she's not much of a talker. She's very introverted. She writes her feelings and thoughts out. So she had this letter she wrote to me. And um, I don't remember everything she said in it, but two of the things that she said in the, the letter is she said, one, I, I know that you still love me because at night while you're sleeping, you put your arm around me. And she said, two, if we get divorced, it's not because I divorced you. It's because you divorced me. And so right there, I was like, oh, she ain't going anywhere. She's doubling down. And that's when I was like, I think I actually have a good wife here and I'm just being a complete a-hole you know and so like i um i i, I that day i decided that i was going to start loving my wife and it was a decision that i made to start actively pursuing my wife and learn to love her um and it was the first time that i think i ever truly did that because i got I, we met when we were 18 got married at 21 and for three years there was this hot thing that i wanted to get with and she's like, you got to marry me first. And I'm like, cool, let's do that. And uh, I, I just think that it was the first time that I actually had to pursue her in love and, and, and start loving her. And I did. I started falling in love with her. Uh, and and it, was, it was really rejuvenating. And I got to a point in my life where, and this is all getting somewhere. Um, I, I, I got to a point in my life where all I wanted to do was make a lot of money driving truck and love my wife. That's it. I was a very mean person. Uh, I didn't like people at all. I didn't want to be bothered with anybody because as far as I was concerned, most of my friends, if not all of them, didn't have any good intentions for me or else they would have pumped my brakes when I was going crazy. So all I wanted to do was just be around the one that actually loved me through that nonsense and make a lot of money to provide for us. That's all I wanted to do. And um, while I was driving truck, I started noticing one of the drivers who was like 30 years driving. Um, I remember I was said something and he's like, you know, you really got a mouth on you. And, and I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you're just, you're just like, like basically without saying, he's like, you're an awful human being. And uh, I was just like, uh, okay. And so I, I, at that moment I started thinking, I want to change. I want to be, I want to be a better person. Never crossed my mind about the whole God thing. Um, I just, I was like, I don't want to be mean to people. I want to be nicer to people. And so I started actively trying to be nicer to people. Uh, and it was hard. It was very hard. Uh, but around that time, I, 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 uh, in that process, my wife, her uncle had passed away and the funeral was the same day as my friend's wedding. And this friend that, that was getting married is a friend of the family. So my parents were going to be there, my sister, brother, everybody. And so I told my wife, you know, like, I didn't want to go to a funeral. It's a, it's a sad environment. It's in a church. I don't want to go to a freaking church. If I'm going to go to a church, I want to go to a church where it's like, Hey, this person's getting married, you know, uh, there's gonna be a party afterwards. And so I told my wife, Hey, you go to the funeral. I'll go to the wedding. Meet me at the reception. And she didn't like that idea. She's like, no, I want you at the funeral. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I told my friend, I wasn't gonna go to his wedding. I'll be at the reception, but I'm going to go to his funeral. And I go to the funeral and it's just a very boring service. Didn't want to be there. Um, I didn't even really know the guy well, but Lindsay, my wife's other uncle is a Baptist pastor and he wound up, um, 
standing up. Nobody asked him to do this. And this is it's what pissed me off. Um, nobody asked him to stand up and preach the gospel. He just did it because nobody else was doing it. And I was thoroughly embarrassed. Like I was like, this dude is like, nobody asked him to do this. He just got up and started doing it. And like, I could feel my blood pressure rising. My face might've been red. My ears felt hot. Like I was angry that this guy was preaching the gospel, talking about Jesus in a church, you know, but like, I was like, dude, like just sit down and shut up. Nobody asked you to do this. That's kind of where I was in my life. Like I was just actively rebelling against this whole God thing. I don't think about it when it was brought up. I was like, Argh. and um, I, I was sitting there and in the middle of that anger for the first time in my life, I felt God speak to me. I wasn't seeking God, but all of a sudden I just felt this, like it wasn't a voice in my ear. It was like almost like a like like something spoke to the inner Tony, and I heard it inwardly. It was it, it's weird. I don't know how to describe it to people, um, but I heard what I identify as God say to me: "You don't need to change to come to me. Just come to me, and I'll change you." And it was such a real experience that, like, one, I really wanted to cry, but I didn't cry because I'm tough. Urgh. So like I, I was sitting there and I was just like, I'm not, I'm not crying right now. I don't know what's happening, but I'm not crying right now. I'm not doing it while this guy's preaching the gospel. I'm not freaking crying. And, uh, but that those words spoke to me, changed me instantaneously. And it's not like that for everybody. I've come to understand that. But for me, it was an instantaneous change. By the time I walked out of that church, I left an old part of me there. And it was such an instant change that my wife was scared of me. Like I sat down in the car and she's pushing herself up against the passenger door. She's looking at me. She's like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm good. She had never met you before, man. No. It's, you know, that's one of those things. Yeah. yeah. And, You're a new I, person in Christ. Yeah. I, I just told her, I was like, I'm good. I just. I, I don't I don't understand what's happening to me and uh, I don't I didn't say it like that but that's how I felt I just told her I was good I went to the reception and that's where my parents were and stuff and my parents were praying hard for me they're like you know because they, they knew I was crazy and um after at, at, when the reception was over and everybody's kind of packing up I was talking to my parents and stuff and I was just like I couldn't keep it in I just told them what happened to me that day and that's the first time I told my wife too I told my mom my dad my sister and my wife was there, maybe my brother, Jack, I don't remember, but like, I started crying and I started sobbing and holding on to my dad and just like, like snot coming out of my nose and my wife's crying, my sister, my mom's crying. And that just changed, that changed the whole trajectory of my life. And it's been ups and downs and, and turns that I couldn't have predicted. But for me, it's always been jesus first since then um and so i talk to people about their crazy experiences and these experiences are wild uh and you don't find biblical evidence of these things being possible in the bible um and a lot of times people they, well not anymore a whole lot because i think I've, I've really weeded out my audience but for a long time people would hear me say i'm a christian and then they'd hear me host conversation with people about things that aren't possible and um they would question me on it like how can you how can you ha have that kind of conversation 
And I'm like, hold on. Like, first of all, even if I didn't believe it, you're telling me I shouldn't talk to somebody because they're saying something I don't believe is true. And if you're, if we're going to go down this Christian route, like, shouldn't I be talking to these people? Like, shouldn't I be talking to these people? Uh, but then also like you say it's not possible because you have a very narrow minded view of what this is all about. Like, like the, the modern Christian church in the West here in America has completely stripped the supernatural worldview out of their, their theology. And they don't believe half the things that are in the Bible because it scares them. They don't even know it exists because they don't read it. And so Dude, like, half of them wouldn't know what to do if Jesus actually talked to them. I've, if I'm they like, actually had a real spiritual experience with God, they wouldn't know what to do. I, I feel a little bit spoiled here because growing up being raised Roman Catholic, it always felt like magic. Like it was always like steeped in this old world where you could summon angels and demons and drink blood and eat flesh and gain superpowers and come back to life. And like, dude, it was, it was seriously like X-Men at a certain point, wow. um, but it was like X-Men where you like weren't allowed to talk. Otherwise you got hit. <laughs> you know, is it so funny because um, you say that and um, I, uh, I moved down here to Tennessee and I had stopped going to church for few years because i had gotten fed up with the the what i was seeing in the churches and i was like i can develop spiritually on my own i don't need people on sunday i was wrong in that um like i can develop spiritually but i also forgot that i, I just misunderstood the need for uh spiritual community of people uh, of believers and yeah, stuff yeah. and the church uh, is the body of christ and yeah so I, 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 in at home with other believers that can be church too yeah yeah you need that community and i didn't have any of that like my my community was talking to like witches <laughs> for my show you know and so like um when we came down here uh, well we found a church up there and then we decided to move to tennessee and we came down here we spent about a year not really going to church because you know you're trying to settle in and it's just it's hard it's hard to get comfortable to, to even take that step to go and be vulnerable and then with what i do for a living i was scared like i was i'm like man i'm gonna go to a church now I'm going to finally find one after like the 10th try that I like. And then I decide I like it. But then I got to go to the pastor and the leadership and say, hi, I'm Tony Merkel. I really like your church, but this is what I do for a living. Do you have a problem with that? And then that's a whole other bridge, you know, because there's a lot of churches that are like, hold on a second. You do what for a living? You talk to witches. See ya. You can't be part of our congregation. So it's just like a hurdles that I didn't want to have to go through. And I had a friend, uh, my friend Josh here. He, he was always like, I'm telling you, man, you just got to come out to my church. And I'm like, ah, oh, Josh, I'll come to your church. What, what kind of church is it? He's like, it's a Pentecostal church. We play drowned music. Oh boy! And like, and That's I was the raised church I like something here. <laughs> yeah, so like, like I was raised Pentecostal, so I was like, I'm not trying to go to a Pentecostal church. I was actually thinking I wanted to go more apostolic, like calm. Let me just do the ritualistic thing. Give me the cracker. I'm good, you know. Like I just, I'm not really trying to to get all hype, you know, and um. I also, but I knew that I needed to get into a church and it's not even for me, but for my kids. And so I was like, let me just go to Josh's church and, you know, get the ball rolling there. But I'm definitely not settling in there. It's a freaking Pentecostal church. You know, it's not going to scare me. I grew up in it, but you know, it is what it is. I walk in that church and I start getting shown around the church by this lady. And um, we walk into the sanctuary. Everybody's in there and they're all talking before church. And this guy comes up to me and this lady goes, this is my husband, Jerry. He's the pastor. I'm like, oh, you're the pastor's wife. And, uh, 
and he shakes my hand and I said, hi, I'm Tony Merkel. This is my family. And he shakes his hand, my hand. And he goes, hi, I'm Jerry Loudermilk. I thought that was you. I subscribed to your YouTube channel. And I was like, and so i was like well i guess i found my church and uh and you know that first sunday i I don't even remember what he preached but i was like this dude is biblically based like he's not shying away from the tough subjects and that's what i i I think a lot of the churches lack these days is they give a lot of cupcake sermons because they're they're worried about people coming back the following week because they got to keep that flow of money coming because they have a whole staff to pay and um my my pastor it, I, it was very apparent he wasn't like that and then he also knew me so i was like i don't have to cross that bridge of saying hi this is what i do for a living and uh, because like like being a christian in this space it, it provides um com- uh, complexities i'd say where like say i'm trying to get a guest on the show right and they're somebody that's a really well-known supernatural type person that's a christian and they talk about the supernatural aspects of god and things and, you know, I'm just making up a person in my head, but I reach out to these kind of people and I have a hard time getting them on my show. And I, 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 I feel like, I feel like I, f- I don't fit in anywhere at times because I definitely don't fit in with like the, the witch crowd and the, the Satanist crowd, but even like my people, when they don't know me, they look at me on you know, and they're like, I don't, I don't think that's the kind of show I should show up on because this guy talks about, and I'm like, you know, like I, I feel kind of like a, a sheep without a shepherd sometimes or a home. Right. And, um, and when I went to this church though, it was just completely different. I felt, I felt at peace. I felt at home and, uh, I, I'd never, I, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm just talking, but just reel me in, but I'll just say this real quick. I, I, I never, have i've never been to a church and this is a smaller church it's not a very large church uh and most of the people in this church are 50 and older like a lot of gray hair and i'm talking like some of them are really old people like old grandmas like they look 80 plus and um i've never seen a church filled with so many old people that worship as hard as this church goes and i'm just like this is different and it's authentic and these people have been in the faith for a very long time and they're still very excited about it at this age this long into it and it was always my experience has always been the opposite where it's like the older people get the more calm they're getting the more like yeah that's for the young kids you know i come and i do my thing and you know you know sing my songs and listen to the preacher but you know i'm not going hard that's the youth and uh these people they're 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 showing me how to age in the faith properly and i noticed that right away and i was just like man like this is it this is the home for me so anyways uh i'm a paranormal podcaster and we just told, did a whole jesus podcast so we can go yeah, to yeah. you want. i'm sorry well I, actually no, to, to, to tail on that i just wanted to ask was it before or after you found jesus that you decided you wanted to kill bigfoot uh <laughs> It was after. It was after. after? That's, yeah. that's surprising to me. Yeah. That's no. I, it, it, yeah, it, I here's that. the thing. My, my my general philosophy behind the killing Bigfoot or Dogman or anything like that is: ain't nobody gonna believe a video or a picture these days. Ain't nobody gonna believe me saying, "Hey, I saw Bigfoot." Yeah, you and everybody else. Uh, you gotta bring. Uh, you gotta have some kind of physical proof. And I'm not very patient to try plucking hairs off the Bigfoot. You just take it down, chop it up, drag it in pieces, 
disperse it, get it tested. Yep, they exist. I don't need to kill it again. I'm fine then. <laughs> you kill the only Bigfoot that exists. There you yeah. go. There's not yeah, one. I mean, dude, I've, I've had guests on, dude, that have that have told me uh, that Jesus Christ was Bigfoot. And so was his, so was Mother Mary. Like he, they had this whole thing. Anyways, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard that Jesus was big. I've heard Jesus was a homunculus, and that ha- that Mary, there's the Harry Mary was the Bigfoot. Harry and I've Mary also heard there's a, there's a Mormon tale was, from the eight, yeah. from the 1800s where a, a Mormon preacher said that he yeah. met Cain, like the biblical Cain that was yeah. Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people that point to signs in the Bible about Bigfoot. Um, I don't. I, I've never heard about Jesus being a Bigfoot. Uh, I have heard about the hybrid homunculus type thing. Um, there's a lot of theories to go around and, uh, I I don't, I don't prescribe to that and I'm not, I'm not like, but here's, and this is what kind of takes it back to what I was saying earlier is that like, I have my set of what I believe, you know, when it comes to my Christian faith, like I'm a classical Christian, you know, like I'm not like, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel with this. Um, and I'm very much Romans 10, 9. I, I, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he died for my sins. He rose on the third day and ascended to heaven. Um, and I confess that with my mouth, right? That's Romans 10, 9. That's what it says, right? So um, that makes me a Christian. From there, we have conversation. And it doesn't hurt my feelings when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I think Jesus was a Bigfoot. I'm like, well, I think you're wrong, but we can talk. You know, <laughs> so, uh, you know and, and, and I don't really, even on my show, like I let people talk, you know, like my show's and not, that's the thing about faith, brother. It's like, if I know what I believe, it doesn't hurt my feelings. If you disagree with me, right. You can say anything you want. You could, you could tell me all kinds of wild things and I'll be like, okay, tell me well, why some you people get that. offended, not because, you know? not because they feel like they might lose faith, but some people hear, you know, Jesus was a Bigfoot and they feel it's heretical. And now it's like, you know, would you just say about my Jesus? You know what I mean? It's like he's said it about the mom. I tell you. Here's, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing with that. Here's the thing with that. So uh, it is, but it's not you being heretical. It's them. And Jesus yeah. doesn't need you to fight his battles for him. Yeah, like, don't white knight for Jesus. He's cool. Like, 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 like Jesus, well, dude. Jesus didn't create you to fight his battles. He created you to yeah. worship him. And he can take care of himself. So like people who get all up in arms and they're like, well, it's like, like, why don't you calm down? And let let him do that. That's his job. You just do your job and not the Lord. This close, man. I I was listening to a guy the other day that was talking about how it biblically it talks about Jesus being a pedophile. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> that, wait, this is new to me. I thought he was. Wasn't like, he, he was like making this explanation. I was. I was like. I felt my blood pressure rising. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, if somebody said something like that, <laughs> anyway, I mean, I, I, right. like if somebody, Jesus doesn't need me to fight his battle. <laughs> no, if somebody said Jesus is Bigfoot, I'm like, oh, that's cute. I don't believe it, though. If somebody said Jesus is a pedophile, I'm like, okay, you need to pump the brakes there. You know, like, I think it's like, yeah. I think it's like uh, Matthew 18, 6 says, uh, Jesus said, if anybody causes these little ones to sin, it's better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the ocean. Like, like, like Jesus 100%. is very particular about children and how we treat them. And so I don't think Jesus is going to be a pedophile. So. Yeah. Agreed, man. Agreed, brother. 
Yeah, dude. No, that was beautiful, brother. I, I thank you so much for sharing your testimony with us, dude. That was that was absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, I mean, dude, I, I actually feel like I, I've kind of had kind of a, somewhat of a similar like uh, testimony in a lot of different ways, man. And that was that was fucking powerful. That was really cool. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I I I, I um I just share I just share whenever the opportunity presents itself. Uh, and somebody, one of you guys asked me a question that got, and that's the thing, like I have ADHD and my life literally practically, I'm not trying to sound over spiritual, but like, I, I really do like my life circles around Jesus a lot. And so when somebody asked me a certain question and I have the ADHD kicking in, it just usually kind of goes back around that way. And, uh, you know, I, that's why I always tell people, feel free to jump in anytime. Cause this train's going, and if you don't, if you don't turn, turn it's just gonna go in a certain direction um but yeah i i appreciate you letting me share that and that's you know i i have tons of other things i can talk about too so we can well, talk where are you at on nephilim where am i at with it yeah where are you at on nephilim are you are, you, are we pro nephilim or are we anti-nephilim like their existence or or their no their, like no we're, no we're gonna say pro. they exist so are you pro nephilim or anti-nephilim well i'm anti-nephilim <laughs> I'm anti-Nephilim. Are Nephilim bad? Because because they didn't decide to be born from. They're bad. Uh, are they? Is the, I, I, and this is new to me. Seriously, but I thought the Watchers were bad for making the Nephilim. But are the Nephilim bad? Because so, they didn't have a choice in the matter. Yeah, but so all right. So uh, Nephilim aren't human. So that's one thing. So there there there's not uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Jesus didn't come and die for their sins because they're not human. Uh, they're a hybrid creature that shouldn't exist. And on top of that, uh, they did the bidding of their fathers. And there's characters throughout the Bible that are Nephilim who have been the adversaries every time. Uh, Goliath is the most famous Nephilim there is. And he was definitely not the good guy. Um, there is, there's definitely the stories of like, uh, I think it's in one of the versions of Enoch where, uh, I think it was the, the Nephilim went to Enoch and asked him to go to God to uh, ask God to forgive the sins of the Nephilim. Um, and I think that's kind of where the idea of the Nephilim being good. Uh, do, could, Nephilim, could a Nephilim decide to go against his father and, and try to help? That's a big question, man. I, I'm very curious to hear your answer to that question. I think I, I feel think, like they're all creations of God, right? Well, you know, I don't know about that, but I do think that Nephilim had a free will. And so I wouldn't say it's impossible for a Nephilim or some Nephilim to uh, to be rebels. Are we yeah, shooting but, Nephilim on yeah. site just like Bigfoot? Heck yeah, bro! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's going I, down. I, um, I think Nephilim... Uh, I think they survived the flood because they're interdimensional. They could do interdimensional things. Right. So AR-15, you don't think would work against the Nephilim? No, I don't think so. I don't think an AR-15 is working on a Dogman or a Bigfoot. Hmm. So like, I, I, I just like maybe, maybe. So your thoughts on that cave in Afghanistan and that big giant coming out in the Kandahar? Yeah. Uh, he didn't. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I know you've heard that story. Wait, what? What is the story? Because I, I haven't heard this. I've never heard Kandahar this giant. Uh, yeah, some military met, uh, ran into a a giant supposedly in a cave living in in Afghanistan, and 
they they approach this cave and a giant that was probably like eight to ten feet tall, maybe had three eyes, maybe only had one. Was he a cyclops? Anyways, he could have been a cyclops. A big, giant, red-haired uh, creature came out of this cave, and when the soldiers approached him, he like murdered several of them, and they started to shoot him, and it took like. 50, 100, 200 bullets to take this thing down. And this supposedly happened. There was documentation. And then there was a massive cover-up. And this was like U.S. military operation. And they had to, like, cover it up. And they call it the Kandahar Giant because it was this giant that was murdered in Afghanistan by the U.S. military. So um, I one, – one, I was being sarcastic. I definitely heard it. Uh, I – L.A. Marzulli says that they were trained to aim high when they were going over mm -hmm. there. And I don't know how true that is. I, that's what he was told. And the assumption is aiming high was in practice because of the Nephilim that they, they'd encounter. I, we have a blog somewhere written on our website where we had a, a guy in the military reach out and he, he reached out several times. But the one time he said that he was talking to people, he was in Afghanistan at the time, and uh, he, he was just, I guess, talking with locals and stuff. And some people would talk more than others, uh, but he was told that there was like a tribe of, of giants or some kind of grouping of giants that lived up in the mountains and in, in, a, in a nature refuge that, bordered, that, that shared a border of uh, Afghanistan and China. And when you look on the map, there's only a very small, like 30 mile section of land that shares that border. And so it's a very specific location where supposedly there's giants and it is a is a, like a natural refuge where, you know, there's not supposed to be any kind of, uh, I guess, building or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think that that is certainly a story that is possible and i say that only because of all the other accounts that have come out over the years of people's encounters with giants especially in afghanistan iraq uh people seeing things running out of villages that are absolutely huge covering ground that is should be inhumanly possible uh but then there's like the um the wikileak drops with the clinton emails and um I always, I, I always save. Let's go. <laughs> I, I always save this article because um, I'm surprised it's still up. But um, the, uh, the 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 emails, there was a lot in there, and there was a recurring name that would uh, pop up a lot, and they believe that this name of the sender is actually Hillary working under an alias. Uh, be, just because of the sheer amount of times this person was on the server. Um, and in one of the, the emails, you couldn't, you can't see the, the actual body of the email, but you can see the, the subject line. And in the subject line, it says requesting documents pertaining to the resurrection chamber of Gilgamesh and location of his body and the location of the buried Nephilim. And that came straight out of Hillary's email server. And so are Nephilim real? Well, 
I think I think the world elites think that they're real and they're trying to to mess with Nephilim DNA clearly and probably ancient technology that was discovered with Gilgamesh's uh, uh, burial chamber um, in 2003 when we invaded Iraq. I think it was 2003 when we went to Iraq in 2003, right? That's when we invaded, I think. I mean, we've kind of always been going there back and forth, right. but you're talking about Operation Iraqi Freedom. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I, it was around that time, though. Um, they, uh, they, they, they had it on the news that they discovered the, the, the chamber of, of this Gilgamesh or, uh, Nimrod, you know, in the Bible, Nimrod. Um, and then it just kind of disappears. And the, the thought, the prevailing thought is that they might've discovered ancient technology and was reverse engineering it since then. Uh, I believe that might be a reason why we see some of the things we see in the sky today, um, or maybe even weaponry. Well, I like you were saying that the, that maybe someone was taught to uh, aim high, and that was also the slogan of the Air Force in the early 2000s. It was aim high Air Force. Really? I love thinking that maybe that just meant they were going after the Nephilim. They're, they're just, oh, I love it. I didn't know that. <laughs> I was the name. I remember I had the shirt. It was like the big marketing campaign from the late 90s to the early 2000s, aim high Air Force. That's perfect. I love it. The Nephilim Death, death Squad taking that and putting that in my tool belt when i talk about this next time <laughs> and we're like interesting fact <laughs> oh man that's great but yeah i mean i think definitely uh nephilim very real uh i think that they're still persistent today uh, i think they went interdimensional uh when the flood happened uh i think clearly they survived the flood because of like uh numbers 1333 and there's just tons. I mean, Gary Wayne is somebody that would be the person to talk to about all that. I mean, the guy is a wealth of information. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that they're definitely around today. And I'm probably going to be... Shoot, is that a part of the story? I think it is. No, well, it's not, but it will be. Uh, I'm going to be releasing a story probably pretty soon uh, that has a lot of... It deals with a lot of interdimensional stuff. Uh, but information that i've come across after i recorded that interview I, I recorded the interview two years ago and uh finally getting around to getting it out um but the information i came across after it because so when you a lot of times when i do interviews with people there's there's i mean they tell their story and there's nothing to to quote unquote research it's just it's their story you know um it's very rare that i have somebody that gives me a story that's jaw-dropping and there's threads to pull at to see if they're BSing me. And that's what this yeah. was. And so I told him after I was done recording with him, I said, I'm going to look into this. And if you're lying to me, I'm going to be pissed because this is a really good story. And um, I spent the last two years and I have not been able to disprove it. And it does involve, and he, I don't even think he realizes this or knows this, but it does involve Nephilim and other realms as well. Can, and, can I ask you this without giving too much away? If we wanted to go and hunt Nephilim specifically, where would where would you go? What would be in your toolbox? Uh, you need a portal cannon to go to another realm, which we may or may not have. Right, but you but but you also say that about Bigfoot potentially, right? But that doesn't stop anyone from going out and hunting Bigfoot. So like it would there would it just be completely frivolous to try and go out and hunt a Nephilim? I think so. I think it'd be an opportunity kind of thing. I mean, where like where are you gonna go? You're going to go to Afghanistan up into those mountains. 
Good luck. I mean, is that where you would go? You got to go to Washington, D.C. We can start talking about bloodlines. We can start talking about uh, some people that are in power right now. And every single president has been related. Wouldn't you have uh, to be a giant to be a Nephilim today? Or do you think that that it's been weeded out? Bloodlines have been so diluted. But yeah, yeah, dude, it's that inbreeding. There's definitely, I think, Nephilim DNA walking among us. Can you drop Um, any names? Are we talking Clinton? Because I I don't know if Clinton has Nephilim blood. I think that they want it. They they might definitely want it. Uh, If they don't have it, they definitely want it. Um, I'll I'll say this. There is, let's just put it at a 50% chance right now that I might be within the next couple months having a possible Nephilim in my studio for an interview. Mm -hmm. How would you be able to prove it? Is there like a blood test you could do or yeah, make I, them flash I, I, in and out of dimensions in front I, of you? I, I, I think it's uh No, there's nothing. There's not I, I was I, yeah. I was I was trying to think I of mean, it. couldn't you couldn't you legitimately say go like flash out of another dimension and come back in or or could well, they just be like I am right now, you just don't know it. So, so he I don't even think he realizes how what what what's going on with him. That's that's the interesting part. Um so he's a very abnormally large human. Um, I mean, not like, you know, Goliath, but I mean, I think he's like six, eight or six, nine. So it's definitely above average. Um, he on both his fingers, his I think it's his middle finger. Are you talking met- about Mark Steves right now? <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that's like seven, like, two, dude. I it's pretty him, uncanny. I he was a big I, foot and that he was a part of the I told him that he was part of the Nephilim bloodline. He was like, (laughs) I I remember seeing a picture of him standing next to somebody else. And it like, he, he, he was so much taller than the person. I was like, surely that person can't be that short. Mark is really tall. And I texted him. I was was like, how old, how tall are you right now? Right here. Hashtag Mark Steves is Nephilim. We can start that right here. Get that domain name. Mark Steves is a Nephilim. Uh, But no, I, I, um, the, the guy, I haven't met him yet. There's, um, other podcasters that are pushing him towards me. Uh, and so, um, which I'm grateful for, uh, but supposedly this guy has a lot of paranormal things happening around him in his house, uh, like really weird paranormal things, but also like he has a weird relationship with nature, supposedly like he could walk up to deer and they don't run from him kind of thing like it's just like he's a disney princess yeah like exactly i mean he wears the gown and blonde hair all that and uh but um one of the things that always sticks out in my head when i'm thinking about this guy is that i was told that on both his hands it's his i think it's his middle finger it looks about double the width of all the other fingers as if maybe they were he had six fingers and they were sewn together at birth and supposedly all his siblings are the same way with their hands i've had dude my best friend growing up um he was born with six fingers so with finger banger frank right yeah so was his brother his mom like he's he's mexican and he uh his mom literally he grew he he told me this and he, he shows me the little scar on his hand he his mom chopped him off with a cleaver when he was a kid because he was born in Mexico and he had these extra little fingers. He had these wow. extra little thumbs. He had two thumbs. He was gonna pop those like this. And off. Wow, wow, dude! Yeah, just, I gotta uh, say, normally when people have the extra finger, it's like some worthless crap over here on the edge. But to have 
two thumbs. I don't know if you ever seen like the the new augmented like physical reality things where people give themselves an extra thumb on the other side. I'm way out of the loop with video games, but like, could you imagine doing the Minecrafts or something or like doing? I don't know. But I'm telling you, like this is legit. Like people are 3D printing. (laughs) They're 3D printing an extra thumb that sticks out on the other side of your hand, and it becomes like immediately intuitive, and you become more productive just by having this extra appendage i mean think about what what we could have had right man god what they took from us god is like up they're creating they're creating extra fingers i'm i'm coming back very soon now time to pay the piper (laughs) (laughs) where are you at on like the whole revelation end times rapture thing is this a literal event in your mind like you wake up and people are gone and there's piles of clothes I hope I'm one of the people that are gone for sure. Uh, but you think, but you think it's literally like there's just like people just go away. Like what's the the TV show, the 4400 or one of those? I, I don't know the TV show, but um, yeah, I'm not I'm not like a old like a um, end times scholar, you know. But I do believe that uh, one day Jesus is coming back and he's going to be taking us uh, the church with him, uh, resurrecting the dead and. Um, I, there's there's so when it, when it comes to this stuff uh there's so much debate about the the details of it how it's going to happen amongst christian scholars like there's the pre-trib the post-trips and all this stuff and i'm just tony the re- retired trucker turned podcaster so i just settle with this idea of like well if they can't agree on anything uh, where, where am i gonna fall like I, i'm just a dummy that's so. a good place to be tony because like i try to jump in that sometimes it's like I was taught a certain way, you know, post-tribulation, pre-tribulation. Yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. I should probably back the fuck out of it because what the fuck do I know? You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's these biblical scholars that have been studying like the original text and shit. And I'm like, I'm some asshole that used to be a cook. I'll, I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> I, I just. But uh... Mama said, but m- Mama said. <laughs> yeah, exactly i, I read real good uh so but yeah i mean it's just you know jesus said he's coming back so I, I believe that he's coming back and um you know that's just how it is uh there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy things that you know are debated and discussed uh you know i just that's why i said earlier when i said i'm, I'm romans 10 9 like that's literally the foundation of my faith jesus christ is lord from there we can discuss things you know that's the foundation uh and as long as i got that straight i know i'm straight and so we can kind of have fun with life and figure things out and talk about things and be wrong about things uh i don't want to be wrong about christ though that's that's the one thing that i don't if, be wrong about. if you're in a room with a satanist for two hours or three hours or whatever or like a witch like is there part of you that's just like i need to convert them or like, do you even feel a responsibility to convert someone no. um, that, that you, I mean, do you think that that person's going to hell and they're going to like burn for eternity? Listen, uh, yes. If, if you don't accept Christ, yes. But right. uh, so I do you, do you feel, feel no onus at all to be like, dude, like, I don't want you to burn forever. Or is it like, screw no, it. If you want to burn, you can burn. Oh, no, yeah. So like, I'm, I'm not like, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not like, you know, if you want to burn, you know, you're free to choose hell. If you want to choose hell kind of thing. Uh, but I'm very much aware of how this whole process goes. Uh, I believe that salvation is a, is a miraculous thing. It's not natural. Uh, like my, and I, I can speak from experience, like, 
like mine was not typical what happened with me in that church uh i think but um one thing i can say is that i can't save anybody that's that's the holy spirit's job to woo somebody's heart my job is what i was instructed to do which is to speak to open my mouth they need to hear the gospel so that's what i do i share i share my faith with people and that's as far as my responsibility goes because that's what i was in order to do um beyond that it's not my job so when it comes to like a witch or a satanist like like i don't hide from who who i am from anybody so if i'm in a room with a satanist or or a witch like I'm not going to be like, oh, I better not say Jesus or else they're going to cast this spell on me or something. Like, I, I, I don't worry about that stuff. So Do I mean, like, make sure you're wearing a cross. My God is bigger than your God. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't like that. It, my God is bigger than your God. My, yeah, my like, God can beat up your God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it is. My dad's stronger than your dad. And it's absolutely that, though. It's true. Like, like I, I totally understand what you're saying, Tony, because it's, it's like... Uh, we've been called to like plant seeds and it's like, we're not there. Like, so we're there to like testify our faith and to say who we are and to be honest about what we think. And, but we're not there to like sit there. Like I can't change another person's mind. Maybe, but that that's but not every that. Christian. Cause there's lots of Christians that were also well, on like that missionary plan. Evangelicalism, right? Well, like I mean, yeah, dude, but my church growing up was St. John, the evangelist, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. it was like, if you weren't turning people, then like, you know, th this is like, God is a corporation that needs to keep, you know, like raising its <laughs> well, stakes every year. They have to keep not, doubling profits every year. That's not, th there's nothing actually wrong with that. I just think that they have a different, they, they have the wrong mindset where it's like, it's like you, you just said like, there's nothing wrong with that. Then you use the word wrong. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's like, I don't think that you are responsible for like, being the guy that, that makes the sale. What I think well, is like, you're supposed to be the guy that drops the pamphlet. You're supposed to be that guy that like, literally when I say like drop the seed, it's like, we're all like sitting there, like somebody, maybe somebody else dropped the seed, but I'm there watering the seed, you know? And, so it, I, and it's I, like, I got, I a, I got a question. God. Like God For to me is the one that changes someone's heart. So it's like, it's like, I'm there. Like maybe I don't, I'm not the one that like gets the sale. I'm not the one that like that sells them the fucking the house, but I'm there and I'm like, hey, did you see the did you see the beachfront? Yeah, you you're like, the like, subliminal commercial that plays before yeah, you actually exactly. see the product in the store. Kind of, because like I'm just a side character. Like like there's not a pride for me. Like but I don't. I, I want to ask both of you though. It, like the 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 seller like. Like to me, it's just it's all about like God had a, a plan for this person, and if they are to meet God, and like I think every single person has the opportunity to meet Jesus, and they have that choice. It's like you are the person that shows them like this, and somebody else planted that seed, and then it's it's up to them. It's just like it's them that wants to grow that seed. I mean, but this definitely does not sound like evangelism. And since that was the main thing that I understood <laughs> growing up, I'm curious because well, this this was weird. Was a full of salesmen. Like, well, this was this guys, <laughs> the training this, for you guys were the ones that were supposed to. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you the, guys were supposed this, to close the deal. <laughs> there's a weird loophole here, right? So I, so I remember hearing this growing up that, that people that never heard about God or Christ they kind of get this like instant free pass where they don't they don't have to go to hell because they never got the opportunity to make the decision for themselves. So they're basically ignorant and pure of heart, right? 
But then being in evangelism, it was like, well, then if an evangelist goes to some remote village and tells people and, and you know, shares the gospel and now they know about Jesus and then that guy leaves, right? He doesn't push it hard enough, but he just lets them know it's out there. Now, technically, those people that would have gone to heaven instantly because they never heard about it, now they're on the hook to like, they heard this weird story, but the guy didn't sell it hard enough. And now they all go to hell because he introduced the concept. Am I I wrong? What you're saying because it's hilarious. (laughs) I will will just play God's advocate right now, not devil's advocate. (laughs) I'll play God, like, where I'll say, like, man, yes, I've definitely heard the same exact thing because I've heard the arguments where, like, someone will say, like, uh, well, what about the Native Americans that never knew anything right. about Jesus? They get a free pass. They get right? the loophole free pass. They get the loophole. They get the unless, free pass. Or- unless a missionary at one point in their life was like, hey, did you know God existed? Okay, I'm, I'm out of here. And they're just like, well, fuck. Now I got to figure out this thing or I'm going to hell. The thing is that humans, we don't get, we're not the judges and only God, only Jesus is that. That's judge. definitely not Catholic and speaking. So, that is not like it's Catholic, not a Catholic speaking. <laughs> I'm not a Catholic. And I think Jesus, he goes, you know what? That salesman sucked. He didn't sell you that car. He did a terrible job. And <laughs> I don't know. We're going to give you a pass, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're getting in. We're getting in. <laughs> Tony, do you have anything to say about this? No, I was was, was sitting here listening to you guys. Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the idea of, uh, I I was actually trying to look for this one scripture verse because this is a topic that when it pops up, there's this one verse that I always like to pull out and I can't remember, so I can't find it. Anyways, so I'll I'll kind of tell you, I'll say this. Um, The again going back to what i was saying before how i believe that most of american christian culture has stripped the supernatural aspect of god out of their understanding um i i don't think i think of the supernatural enough and i'm more supernatural than most people um and in my understanding and the way i operate it literally isn't my job to save somebody. It's my job to bring the news to them, what they would call the good news, right? So you bring the message, and in that action, the Holy Spirit comes in and takes over and starts wooing the hearts, and my job is done. It doesn't matter how... Yeah, how, you, you bring in the closer. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 like I, 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 just, I, I have zero pressure. I, I, this way I view it. I don't have a lot of pressure on me to get somebody saved. All my pressure, the pressure for me begins and ends with opening my mouth and speaking and from there it's the holy spirit's job to do the wooing it's the holy spirit's job to build that relationship connection so like i don't worry about like you know if somebody's like you know i don't know if i if i did i say the right thing i'm worried and like you you're right there you stop because you're already putting too much emphasis on you it's not about you it's not about how well you speak how good you are like moses didn't want to do what moses did because he had a stutter like he's like i can't speak like pick somebody else and god's like no sucker you're gonna do it and you're gonna be awesome and like and he, the, yeah. then, like the next day he's out there splitting the red sea and he's like oh this is really cool uh so it's like it's one of those things where you know 
it, it's not about the the messenger it's about the message and the power behind the message and so uh when it comes to that stuff man i i don't really get too caught up in um going going hard on it and stuff it's just like listen i'm gonna i'm gonna speak i'm gonna say what i want and then when i'm done i did my job i'm done you know and is there it, any sense of th this is loaded question i don't mean it the way it sounds but i just i'm just gonna throw but like is there any sense of guilt or onus in that like if you you're talking to the satanist right and you deliver that message and it doesn't sink in is it the satanist fault is it your fault is it god's fault like who is there any fault at all in that equation between the three involved or like well, what's sin, happening? It's, it's sin's fault. Uh, sin hardens the heart towards God. And so depending and everybody's heart is hardened. Uh, I don't, this is a theological route that, uh, I, I have a hard time with because, uh, there's the reformed theolo theology, which is like people are They're all lawyers, bro. Every theologian in the world is just a freaking lawyer. Right. But like it's like um there's an idea that if that that people don't choose God, God chooses people. And some people, I guess the way I, I don't understand it totally, but it's like the idea that uh God there's literally I guess he made people that would burn in hell. And yeah. like like and I, I don't quite understand that. Um I uh I I just don't, but I I, I think that you know, from my own personal experience, I had a very hard heart. Like if like, I, I told you guys, like how I was in that church, like my blood pressure was rising because my wife's uncle had the audacity to in a church talk about Jesus. Like that's that's so backwards. But like I was so angry and it was because I didn't want to hear about God. And in that moment is when God pierced my heart and changed me instantaneously. So like there's a real supernatural aspect and miraculous aspect in these moments of salvation. And it's a very one-on-one -on -one thing between the Holy Spirit and the individual. And I don't think it's a matter of how hard your heart is towards God either, because I know my heart was pretty freaking hard. Um, but like there's examples in the Bible where uh, like even Pharaoh, God hardened his heart. And that's a hard one to, to swallow too. It's like, what do you mean God hardened Pharaoh's heart? Like, like, it, yeah. it, like you want to think that Pharaoh's heart was hardened, was hard towards God, but it said that it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart at, towards him. And so there's, there's just like a lot of different things. And I don't remember what your question was. I just kind of like, again, I just go, but, um, I probably didn't even answer it, but, um, yeah, I, I think that, um, I think it's a, it's a miraculous thing when somebody comes to Christ because it, it's not natural. And I think sin is the big hurdle in people's lives uh, that that prevent them from uh, yielding to the power and authority of Christ. Um, I think that the road is different for everybody too. So when I became a Christian that day in that church, I walked out completely changed. I, my language cleaned up. My heart for people was changed. It was so it was so weird. That's why my wife was scared of me. Um, but like other people, it's a process. Like they 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 uh, they respond to this this pull towards God. They're like, I'm going to like like I'm like yes, all right. I'm confessing with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I'm going to yield my life over to Him. But now it's a process because not every, like so it's like when you're dating somebody right so like you you see you see a girl and you're just like man i like her and you approach her and she's like you know what we can give this a shot and you start dating 
you're not in love with that girl you're just dating her and you're building that relationship and you're you're building that 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 chemistry and over time you you fall in love and then over time you marry her and over time you fall in love with her deeper than you could have ever imagined the day you married her like it's a growing process and that's the same thing with this For, for a lot of people it's i accept jesus christ as my savior i'm i am bowing to his authority but the whole i'm in love with jesus thing that's a growing process i'm going to do my part and i'm going to meet him i'm going to go and i'm going to meet i'm going to i'm going to meet with christ i'm going to open that word i'm going to read it i'm going to ask the holy spirit to reveal himself to me uh but it is a constant growing relationship and if people do that consistently I very much believe they will find themselves falling more and more in love with God. Uh, but for a lot of people, it's not an instant miraculous change like it was for me. I'm a very extreme person. And I think that every like God does things different for everybody according to who they are and how they work. I'm very extreme. And so, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. But I think that yeah, God man. knew I needed the extreme change so I could see where this whole ship could go if I stay persistent. Because here's what happened. I I had this extreme change and I was like, I felt like I was on top of a mountain. I, I couldn't get closer to God. I was like, this is like, all I wanted to do is pray and read my Bible. I'm telling you, I would come home from driving truck. I didn't have any kids. My wife would be sitting on the couch. I'd sit on the floor and just sit there reading my Bible. Like, I'm just like, I can't, I, can't, I have to read more. And that's how, <laughs> like, I was just like totally in love over the top. And um, that Satanist thing happened and there was spiritual warfare happening there. And that was a marker in my life where it, something happened to me on a spiritual level. And I, I would wake up in the morning to read my Bible, which I don't believe is something that like you have to read in the morning. I just, that, cause a lot of people think it's legalistic. I just, that's what I did. I, I woke up in the morning to read and I, and, cause I wanted to. And there was times I was waking up like two hours before I had to be at work to just read and because I could, I didn't have kids. So I was like, I had no responsibilities outside of myself. Uh, and it was like every day I was like, God was revealing something new to me. It was like, I was just hearing from God so much that day I went to that Satanist house ever since then, it was like this slow drop off. Like I was no longer on this mountaintop anymore. I was starting to feel like this spiritual, um, desert dryness like i wasn't hearing from the from god speaking to me so much anymore and and i didn't understand it um and i remember the one day i i, I sat down in my living room read, read my bible and um I, I again i just didn't feel and hear like i just didn't feel like god was with me in the moment like i didn't feel the presence of god like i was and um i closed my bible and i didn't make a conscious decision or anything i didn't say it out loud but I knew that was gonna be the last time I opened my Bible for a while. And, um, and it was, I, I, I stopped reading. I was like the next day I slept in and then I was like, that kind of felt good. I'm going to do that again. And, uh, it was, it was just one of those things where I wasn't trying to rebel. I didn't, it wasn't like I was like, uh, oh, Jesus Christ isn't Lord. Like, I, like my faith was not in question. It was just, I was like, well, if you're not going to meet me, then I'm not going to come to this room and hang out by myself. And, um, I didn't understand what was going on. And uh, I think, I think what the process has been for me personally is on day one, God took me to the top and I experienced how extreme this could be. And then he allowed me to kind of go through this, this dry spell 
And now it's like, okay, now you're going to work out your salvation. And now you're going to work. You know where this can be. Now we're going to show you how to work this out so that your faith is strong. Have you ever heard of the old man in the mountain? No, I haven't. Please tell me. This is like one of the original stories of of mind control, but this was like a like I think it was told by Marco Polo, but it it mirrors part of this in a way where that what they would do is they would drug young kids uh, like like of fighting age, you know, like young men, and when they would wake back up, they would wake them up in out inside this hollowed out mountain that had literal streams of milk and honey, and they had all the fruit and everything. So so they would wake these kids up and they'd have like you know virgins as far as the eye can see and they would tell these kids you died sorry you know that it sucks but you're dead now but the good news is you're in heaven check it out milk honey chicks food berries everything everything you could ever want you're clearly in heaven right and they you know they would treat them and then all of a sudden they would have a meet this guy that would act as god this was the old man in the mountain and he would basically tell them you know the my my girls told you already you're dead but you're in heaven. It's great, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? I'm going to send you back to earth. But when I send you back to earth, you're going to be back into like the normal place that you were, you know, growing up in this, you know, impoverished or whatever, impoverished. But if you go and do these things for me, then as soon as you finish that third task, you immediately are going to come right back here to heaven with the gold and the milk and the honey and everything. So it was that same thing where it's like, showing someone these riches and this experience you've never seen before and then sending them back out in the world and saying there's nothing to fear because you're already dead and when you die you come back to this great and i just wonder if like if they tapped into what the actual experience was but then made the artificial human version of it and then weaponized it but and this is the story of the hashashins um, and the drug that they used to drug these kids was hashish. And that's where you get the word assassin from is hashish. Dude, I was just going to talk about the assassins. Yeah, wow. I've heard this same exact story. Yeah, It's, it's the weaponized version yeah. of a spiritual, like, you know, like awakening. But if, if you can recreate the simulated version of a spiritual awakening and then be like, and now go kill people. You know what I mean? Like, that's the perfect freaking way to weaponize somebody. Wow. That's wild. I'd never heard that before. Check it. It's 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 uh the oldest version of MK Ultra I've ever come across so far. I've never heard of MK Ultra. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I, I I uh anyways, yeah, that's me. So uh Tony, that was that was amazing, brother. No, dude, I, I absolutely loved all of that, dude. I have and, a final and, question was- before we wrap up too. Go ahead. Go ahead, Donald. Oh, my, is it my turn already? Do you think that Jesus is for humans only, or do you think that if there was a, a being or creature or anything that was as capable of us as logic and reason that Jesus could be for them too, or is it like you got to be human in order for this to work for you? Yeah, I think that you got to be human. Um, so would, like would I, there be a waste of time to like proselytize, you know, like an alien? Yeah. No, I, I think... I think that's a waste of time. I, th- I think the Pope said something like years ago about about this, and he was just like, I think it was like pro like alien oh, salvation thing. Um, yeah, hopes are so lost, dude. Yeah, are we I, shooting aliens on site? Yes. Are you we shooting? Are we shooting you popes know, on I'm site? Not, I'm not. No, hey, hey. shooting Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm not. On, I'm not. I'm not. On, I'm not on board with shooting Bigfoot on site. But aliens, absolutely. 
I'm on, uh, I'm on Tony's level there. If I see a, a gray, if I see a little green man, he's getting shot right between the eyes. The second I see one. I never heard a good I, I never heard a good story about like like when when people are talking about their abduction experiences, I'm like your abduction experience started with a kidnapping. It cannot be that good. <laughs> like like I like I mean most people aren't asking to be taken and they didn't have a choice in the matter and then something happened and they're like oh it was good i'm like mm, i don't know i don't i don't think i'm, I'm on that just, just devil's advocate here there are the stories of the people that like sign up to be voluntarily like consumed by a cannibal in germany or whatever it's true so i mean there's a possibility out there that there's like an ethical version of this i mean there's people that sign up to uh have be medically suicided i think in, in oregon isn't it like you, yeah but that comes with well, like, like in free, Oregon, uh, you actually free. have to be sick and you have to be like on death's door but okay. in canada dude like they they're fucking killing people that are like i'm homeless <laughs> and i'm just I've got sad. The sniffles. <laughs> they're like yeah they're like all right we'll kill you yeah, no like problem. it's so wild in Canada that yeah. like like they broke the percentages like on like on deaths in Canada it's like 10% of deaths in Canada or something are now assisted suicide it's some wild thing wow. like that they're killing it, just just speaking about wild in Canada and aliens have you heard about the cult in Canada that's run by like a QAnon leader that believes that she came from uh alien bloodlines no, Buddy, I've they've, had they've her on my show. To, you, they've commandeered a school. Thomas, I've had her on our show. You should have her back. <laughs> was on. I on that episode? I, I don't think I was. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> you really had her on the show? No, this was before oh, we were. Kidding. <laughs> I mean, I, it, honestly, it sounds like someone that we've absolutely had on the show before. I was just trying to remember. This is, I'm not you just search for alien QAnon Canada cult. It'll come up. It's the it's crazy. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at it right now. This is fascinating. Uh, Romana Romana Didulo. That's the one, dude. That's yeah. the one. No. Okay. Can, can we get her, Nate? Can we get her on the show? Buddy, I've got a big reach. We'll we'll see what we can do. <laughs> uh, Known as a far-right QAnon conspiracy theorist, she has declared herself the Queen of Canada, among other titles. I'll say Trump Netflix. said you have to have me. I'll say Trump said you have to come on the show. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wild. Yeah. No, I. Uh, this is new, but this is really interesting. I, I highly encourage you to have her on your show. <laughs> Let's get her on the get circuit. Her, you, buddy. Yeah, we'll we'll do this as a we'll do this. Twenty twenty four, bro. We can we get her into the cycle? <laughs> you could. You you. She's, sure. Canada, she's Canada though. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way somebody who's a QAnon uh, cult leader wouldn't arrive and and come on a podcast episode. Like she's waiting for a Netflix special. I they might just be waiting like posthumously to put well, it out. But. That's what I'm saying. Like if, if like. Like this person, I mean, if you're a leader of a cult, you're at a certain level of narcissist. And so, like, you say, well, and if you declare yourself queen of Canada, you might also yeah, be yeah. a narcissist. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm fairly certain you, Wait, you invite I'm not her kidding. on. I'll get her on the show. We just have to find her email address. Yeah, I'll get her on the show. It's yeah, not hard. a problem. Well, they they commandeered a school. It. I mean, it's not hard to find it. It's apparently you just send a letter to the school. 
That is wild. Yeah. Like, you should definitely get her on the show. It might be your best show of all time. Like this. <laughs> and, just, and just let her preach her gospel of whatever it is. Just be like, this is fascinating. Like, so how does one become a QAnon cult leader? Please tell. Like In Canada. In Canada. And she's actually younger than I thought she'd be. Yeah. Is this her? Is she a babe? Is she low? Uh, is she Lauren Bobert like uh, jerk you off while we're watching Beetlejuice and vape? Uh, yeah, I don't think she's like babe. Or... Well, I mean, she might be your type. I mean, like, like <laughs> if she's a cult leader, she'll probably do that for sure for you. But like, you know, she's probably got a few years on her. But I, I thought she'd be like an old person, but she's probably like in her mid forties. Yeah, uh, imagine like, um, like I guess uh, an Inuit sort of Jim Jones. You know, speaking of Lauren Bobert, Bo- Bo- that that lady's like a psyop or something. Oh, like, is it the the, the handy? Like, is it, wasn't she like like? I I don't I I don't I I didn't follow the story closely, but from what I heard, like her date was like some kind of like prominent like Democrat something. I don't know, like. I'm like, and, and she's he out here. He owns like, a bar. He owns a bar that they routinely have, like drag queen, like strip club, like shows, like like yeah. He's a he's a hardcore like Democratic like uh, like donor, and he's like big in the Democratic Party. And she she literally just like left her husband, started boning this dude, and like she's trying to say like she's from like traditional values, and like no, she's this not, that and the other, she's and she's like she got caught like going to a live performance of like of like it's a i i think it's like a theoretical like theatrical version of beetlejuice and she's vaping and blowing smoke in the face of like a pregnant woman while she's jerking <laughs> like her boyfriend like it's just wild this i know who is, i'm voting for <laughs> yeah dude i was like you know what like people were trying to like make me hate her i was like <laughs> no that's, this yeah this isn't the <laughs> this way to do that I that's what you want <laughs> So, <laughs> all right so i'm the opposite because <laughs> like i was like i was like what a fraud she is like i like i was i was like like i get i, I get so frustrated because like the, the, that's a perfect representation of what's wrong with the republican party and you guys are like actually she won my vote well hear me out though hear me out is that we need to make sure that the party truly represents what it really is. So by putting all the people in spotlight that are the most caricature version of the hypocrisy can only do one of two things. Either it desensitizes everyone to where just like nothing matters anymore and it's just pure nihilism or it like everyone's hypocrisy becomes so incredibly abundantly clear that we have to face it or again, let's just like ignore it all and embrace it. So well, either one of those was a politics, like, I mean, like you're saying that Florida is now a red state, but we all know Florida is Florida, man. And so like, if that's the new Republican party, then you have to embrace Lauren Boebert jerking somebody off. Yeah, dude, <laughs> but hey, don't miss Beetle out Juice. that it was out of Beetlejuice and there was vape <laughs> involved. That, like, tell me there's not a more Florida man story. than <laughs> <laughs> Laura Loomer's coming next. She's also, also yeah. out of Florida, right? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah but I well, mean, there's nothing 
there's nothing conservative about that. And I mean, that's the whole new thing about the whole like MAGA movement. Like that's the whole thing about the new right wing and the whole Republican party. Like that's the whole thing with the Republican party in general. It's just like, it's, it's like, it's a, they're fighting themselves. They they don't know who they fucking are. There's an identity crisis in the Republican party. Are we conservatives or are we just like, uh, uh, contrarians? Yeah, like well, you know, like, it, it's an interesting idea, man. It's this fight within there. It's like it, because they're not conservative anymore. They're just like, are we anti woke or are we conservative? Right. Yeah. And, you that's, know? and, and it's good to be both, but it's hard to be both. What does conservative mean today? Yeah. You know, like uh, uh, politically conservative. Are we talking about religiously conservative? Like, there's and those are different things. And, and uh, what have conservatives conserved? Is when you look at like the Republican Party, what have they been able to hold on to? Like traditionally, like they've always just acquiesced to the left, yeah. and you've just seen the Republican Party, and like now they're just like, well, well, we're, we love gay people, uh, like we're the gayest of the gay too, but we just, you know, it's just like, but yeah. I, I don't even know what the fucking Republican Party is, you know? It's like, what no, is what? What's right wing? Yeah, I, what I, is I, traditional? I, what is conservative? I just uh, stay. I stay in my lane. I, I pretty much am yeah, anti-government, and um, I guess that's more libertarian than anything. I just, I just want to be left alone. I don't think my business is their business, and they need to stay out of it. Um, yeah. I just, I don't. I think taxes are illegal, uh, and uh, I just do it to stay out of jail because I have kids to take care of. You know, so it's just, I. I I, I, I guess uh, I'm definitely not Republican. I, I think I'm registered Republican. Um, I think in Pennsylvania I had to be registered Republican or Democrat to vote in the primaries or not the primaries. The uh, what's the ones that. Uh, I forget. <laughs> well, that's how yeah. that's how it works in Florida. Is is you have to be registered yeah. Republican if you want to be in the pri- if you want to vote in the primaries yeah. to decide who actually makes it the president. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's his pri- that yeah. is a primary. Yeah. So yep. like I, I, um, you know, I, so I, I'm, I guess, you know, I'm registered Republican, uh, and all that stuff, but I, I'm pretty much the government needs to be very, 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 very small. And it's very, very large now. Um, I think the government is out to get me. I don't think they like me and I don't like them. And that's how it is. So Yeah, buddy. I mean, that's the realization, right? It's like when you realize what is the government, because like, so many people like look at what the government is and you and you sort of like have the realization that government is just the gun in the room. Right. And so whoever is in control of that has the gun in the room. Right. So if it's the democratic party or the Republican party, then they get to, they get to decide what is law in this, like whatever country that we're in. Right. And it's just this ugly fight over the gun in the room. And so like for the longest time, like I've, I've been on the same train as you is like, I'm consider myself, I guess, a, a libertarian with the fact that it's like, I just want to live my own life. I want to live on my own property. I want to do whatever the fuck I want to do. You go do you do whatever the fuck you want to do. Just leave me the fuck alone. And if we get along, that's great. Like we can have this like fair exchange of ideas and fair exchange of, you know, goods and, and the government needs to stay the fuck out of it. We can trade, we can sell, we can barter, we can do whatever we want. We can just live our own lives autonomously as like free human beings. Yeah. Um, 
And that's sort of mostly where I'm at at this point. And then so I've like went hard into this like weird, like libertarian idea where maybe I'm an anarchist. And then then you even go even further where there's like, well, government is never going to cease to exist. So then you have to like kind of embrace the idea of it. And then but I still dude, I refuse to vote because I think it's illegitimate. And then you are legitimizing whatever government it is. And you're like kind of consenting to being ruled if you if you vote, because like, I'm just autistic, dude, and I overthink things. So Can I, I just want to push back really quick and say the, the government can't be a gun because a gun is far too efficient and good at what it does to ever represent the government. If anything, the government is like one of those big hoarders houses that kills the people that live inside of them because they let it get like too wild and out of control and it just suffocates them in place. I think that's a better analogy. <laughs> that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Yeah, I listen. I I just think that it's crazy how, um, like I said about taxes earlier, it's crazy how you work, and before you even see that money, say you're employed by an employer, uh, those taxes are taken out before you even see your money, and then whatever you get left, they say it is an honor for you to be able to spend your money. So we're going to make sure that you pay to have that honor to part with your money and you got to pay out taxes on the front end and the back end. It, it's just, um, we're taxed to death. And I'm, I'm are we I, shooting tax men on site? Nah, I mean, uh, is this going to be on Rockfin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hear me out. Another devil's yeah, advocate. That the, you it won't be on YouTube. So don't the, worry. <laughs> the only reason that our money has value is because the tax man can essentially come and kill you. And if that dynamic didn't happen, then money would have no value. You know what? So, you know, uh, Tony, what you just said a minute ago, where you're talking about how the money just automatically comes out of your paycheck. That was a Milton Friedman thing. You know that with like with your with your pay, because I love Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman is an interesting, like awesome capitalist that has all these like wonderful fucking ideas. But like he was also like this autistic weirdo that was obsessed with economics and he like got tied in with the government and he had these ideas where he was like, Hey, you know, what's going to be just more efficient with collecting taxes because what if we just automatically take taxes out of people's paychecks? Because, because, because at some point when they were started raising the tax rate to up to like 30%, at one point you had to like sign a check and send it into the government. Right. But there's so many of us and not so many of them where there was like, how many like if people just stopped paying their taxes then then like the government couldn't collect it anymore so it became an automatic thing because like it was like we're just going to take the taxes and then hey if we take too much you're just going to have to like petition us with your tax return to get a little bit back oh accidentally we took too much where yeah. so he just started like he was the one that was like had the idea of automatically taking it out of your fucking paycheck and I love Milton Freeman, but also he's an asshole for for thinking for thinking that up. It's I never so liked him. No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 <laughs> Are we I, shooting I, Milton Freeman on site? Milton Freeman's dead. Yes, right? I don't think you can get in trouble for it, right? He's dead, so. Yeah, double jeopardy. Double jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that that's crazy. I didn't know that. Um so thanks Milton Friedman for that. I I mean I 
I have to take out my own taxes. And so that's even painful in itself because every time I get paid, I have to take a big percentage of that and just set it in the savings account so that I can pay the tax man and not get put in jail. That feels good at the yeah. end of the year, doesn't it? Oh, it feels wonderful. I Cutting love it. over like, you know, extra digit checks. Yeah. You know, you know what feels good is when you cut that check and you look at the account and like, oh, I have some left over. That's fantastic. And then my wife goes, just leave it in there for next year. I'm like, oh. she's like just in case i'm like yeah that makes sense so we just we have extra money in our tax account that we just save for the next year for the tax man so when he comes and says you owe more dude that's the state of oregon honestly the state of oregon fucks our taxes every year they give us a little bit and then they go i'm sorry actually you owe us like four thousand dollars so like whatever they give us if we're just like we're not spending. We save it because we know that they're actually going to pretend that they fucked it up. And then they just like take it every do fucking actually, year. Do they actually go around and arrest people for not paying taxes? Because I mean, I you don't know. know man. You didn't talk to my friends that are like hardcore sovereign citizens where they're just like, they legally can't do that. If you like, if you have the right words to say, like if you're in a court of law and you say the right, I'm not driving, I'm traveling. And the cops like, fuck, he got us. Actually, I'm a, I'm a sovereign citizen and I'm not part of your, yeah. I I don't know, dude. (laughs) It's hard to say. Even like, like if you, if you don't pay your taxes and they say, okay, you're going to go to jail. It's like, you understand by putting me in jail, it's costing you money and I'm not going to pay taxes. Like, yeah, so, like, like because they pay more taxes, like locking you up to pay for your meals, to pay for your stay, to pay for the electricity for you to be there. But yeah. it's not about that, dude. It's not a cat because like, did somebody explain that to me a while ago? Because like, okay, so post nine 11, right. There was this whole thing where um, they were like trying to like have soldiers sign on for like additional like like an additional i don't even know what you call it called stop loss usually whatever it is they're trying to get you to sign on again right so if you were they'll they'll give you they'll start with enlistment bonuses is how they entice you but then once you get in they call it stop loss which means you're not allowed to leave okay whatever it is if you're if you're willing to stay they were going to give you another chunk right and so like there are all these young dummies they were like okay i'll sign on again and they, they gave them like a $10,000 bonus, whatever it was. Right. And so like the government then uh, figured it out like fucking 10 years later. And they were like, hey, that was only supposed to go to officers, not just like dorks that like not frontline guys, not whatever that s- decided to stay yeah, on. Not, not the it's enlisted. Like, not the enlisted. So they actually they figured it out because they hired like lawyers and the, all this shit to like track it down and to like to extract the money back. So they were going to extract that 10 grand back, 10 or 15 grand back. It was going to cost them like 25 or 30 to get it, to get back the 10. Wow. But it didn't matter because like to them, it's like, like it was going to cost like double, whatever the fuck it was to get back the little bit, the scraps back the little bit of from like the, the people that don't have anything anyways. But it's like it's like a fuck you pay me because the goddamn government is like a mafia. And it's like they have to it's it's not about like actually make it. Oh, man. It's not about the money. It's about the control. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly, dude. It's I don't even sick. think it's that it's a they. I'm I'm almost convinced that the government really is like like a, like an egregore, like one that that was created and now an like no one can Absolutely. stop it. Like it's just gonna keep swallowing everybody up like this mindless machine until it eats itself. What's that movie Labyrinth? The, like the thing that just keeps like coming down the hall and like grinding everything up. This yeah, thing, about, not that labyrinth. I'm talking about the okay. David Bowie labyrinth. But yeah, you're okay. talking Pan's labyrinth. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. We've been on for two hours, Tony. Uh, thank you, brother, for coming on. Dude, this has been a fucking absolute blast. You've been a fun guest. Dude, I, I've absolutely loved it. Dude, I appreciate your open honesty talking about, like, your, uh, your whole fucking journey of Christianity and coming to, like, Christ and... Dude, I'm I'm super interested in this whole thing where you were like you were a trucker and then like like you were meant for more and so like your whole like what you do now is kind of like it's it's your way of sharing Christ, dude. It's a beautiful, wonderful, amazing thing, dude. Thank you for coming on. Uh, all my audience is going to be blessed from hearing this. Um, tell us a little bit, like tell our audience one more time. What's the best place to find Tony Merkel? What's the best place to listen to you, brother? And uh, thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh, you know, every time I sit down to do uh, an interview on somebody else's show, it's their show. I don't know where we're going to go. I just let them kind of make the call the shots. And <laughs> and sometimes I get guys like you that I start wandering and you're just like, keep wandering. I'm like, okay, here we go. And so, <laughs> hopefully uh, your audience is cool with it. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you guys, anybody listening uh, found this conversation interesting you want to follow where i'm at uh my podcast is the confessionals and that's a paranormal show where i i talk to people about their experiences uh recently we've been doing a lot of dog man a lot of interdimensional stuff it's just kind of what the emails have been recently uh we're riding that wave and uh see where it takes us um but we we cover everything on there we've had bigfoot hauntings abductions all that um but uh also merkel.media that's the website my company merkel media we're doing uh films uh the first two films are out the exhibition dogman and then the shape of shadows uh and you know those are documentaries where i took me and my team out to locations and did week-long investigations into the strange phenomenons in the area um I can say we have recorded two more or shot two more documentaries that haven't been released. And we shot an entire movie called the Sasquologist uh, that will be released <laughs> next year. And that's basically about a biologist who uh, is tracking the offspring of Patty, the Patterson Gimlin film. And he's tracked them to the Colorado Rockies. And he's, he's scientifically trying to prove Bigfoot's existence and uh in the process he comes across this kid like literally the scientist he's in his 50s the kid he's like a late teenager and uh the kid's like you know bigfoot's an interdimensional being that comes through portals and he's like you're you're wrong and it's a physical creature and they have this like clash of you know the bigfoot theology and uh and it's it's a story where they kind of come together and they work together uh and in the process uh they they uncover a lot about each other's past that kind of point and show you how why they are the way they are today uh it's a really funny movie a lot of comedy uh there's there's heartfelt spots in it and uh i'm, I'm really grateful that we have it 
uh, coming out next year. We're planning on another movie that is super secret, but I promise you if we pull it off, it is going to be possibly uh, the biggest movie of the year. No, probably not, but uh, it's going to be awesome and uh, it's never been done before. And so we're working on that. We're working on a few other things too. Uh, So Merkle Media is definitely on the rise. Uh, We are trying to do a lot of culture shaping. Uh, And I don't exactly know what that means. I just know that I don't like the culture I live in and I want to shape it. And so I do, I create things that I think might help with that. And so uh, that's what we're doing. And uh, it's been a wild ride, and I I think it's going to get more wild. I I have uh, I had a meeting I had a meeting with I'll just you know I haven't told anybody this, and I'm going to tell you guys this now. Uh, yesterday I had a meeting with Spotify, and uh, it was interesting. And so uh, I think there's there's some pretty cool things coming down the road, and uh, yeah. So, you know, just hang, just if you, if you, if you guys liked me, come hang, hang out with me over at Merkel media. And are you going to kick Rogan out of his chair? Is that what's going on? Uh, yeah. I mean, like if they want me to, for sure. It's done, dude. We (laughs) shoot him on site. (laughs) Yeah. Are we shooting Joe Rogan on site? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, uh, no, I I wish that I'll, I'll nip that right now. I wasn't thinking like that. Uh, no, they didn't offer me a 300 or whatever million dollar contract that they offered him. Uh, but yeah, they, it, it was an interesting conversation. So um, I'm I'm hopeful that it, it's good for the brand and helps me uh, get more name recognition for sure. So hopefully that helps in the future with what I'm trying to do. I think that uh, we had a, a, a big conversation here today about me and my faith in God. And just to kind of bow tie it, I think the meeting yesterday was something that was uh, it was a blessing from God. Um, and it, it came on the tail end of a situation that I was going through yesterday. That was, I had to make a decision. Um, that was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to do in my life. Um, not decision, but uh, it, it, it was, I was in the middle of, of a situation yesterday uh, that made me more uncomfortable than I've ever felt in my life. And, um, I knew what the right decision to do was, but it was really uncomfortable. And I went and did that. And then like an hour later, I'm on the phone with Spotify. And I'm like, well, this is really interesting. you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so like, it, there's been a lot of ups and downs in the last 48 hours from on, on this end of the screen. And it's just been, it's been really weird and interesting, but I, I just see God kind of just um, working in my life in the background and just kind of blessing the process as it unfolds and so people who've been kind of following me for a long time they've kind of seen that uh because i've always been pretty open about who i am here's the thing uh i i was like i said you know i was trying to get my wife to divorce me i was a dirtbag like i was i was a piece of crap human being and so i i'm very open about that so that people can't come back and say, oh, you say this, but this, right? And also in the process, then uh, me being open about my past allows me to give God all the glory in the present. And so that's kind of what I do. And uh, Amen. Amen, brother. Yeah. Yes. I fucking love that, dude, so much. Yeah. Dude, 
So dude, this has been this has been amazing, dude. You're you're fucking awesome. I I absolutely love you coming on here and just sharing your testimony about God. Like I, dude, we have a big audience here, and I, I know that a lot of them know who you are. So like this is I, dude, this has been an absolutely powerful episode. I hope that this changes a lot of hearts, a lot of minds, and like dude, like the biggest like exactly what you were saying, where it's like this has been like this big thing in my life it's like the biggest fights that i have like the biggest challenges in my life are when i'm like questioning something that i already know the answer to and i'm fighting what i already know what the right answer is like god has already told me you're supposed to do this but like i'm like but my flesh is doing this god already has told me and i'm supposed to do and anytime i'm like wrestling where i'm like well i don't know Anytime I'm questioning what God has told me that these are these little fights. And like, so like, anyways, blessings, brother. That is amazing, dude. Like (laughs) so many blessings your way, dude. This has been, this has been powerful. I just got to say one thing before we leave. Um, Yeah. Where'd the American flag go off your ceiling? Cause it's gone now, and I thought that was so cool. No, it's where to go. Oh, it, it, it ran <laughs> out at the end of it. Oh, that's the sign we need to wrap it up. A, the flag goes. It's, a two, it's literally a two hour video. So, yeah, when it runs out, <laughs> that means two hours went by. Okay. Well, I thought that was the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. So, he's got a, a flag projected on the ceiling. It's awesome. Yeah, from so. a, it's a Chinese projector. I don't know if that matters. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> It now it, it does now that you told us you should have said it made in america <laughs> do we really make projectors in this country come on don't make anything in the country we suck <laughs> no, i've got an american flag here somewhere yeah. but uh and thomas what are we what are we promoting oh everybody? we we do make some thinkers in this country we make uh comic books and this is actually printed and sold right here in this country here's proof the very back I print through Comics Wellspring. It's printed in Plymouth, Michigan. This doesn't come from China at any point. It is all homegrown. Good old, actually, I can't show all of this one's actually a little bit adult, but here's here's a nice one. Uh, this is called Secret Mystery School, and it's about these guys that accidentally get enlightened. Uh, but if I had a printed copy, which I don't right now, the big one is a comic book that I'm doing with Sam Tripoli called Chaos Twins. It is family friendly, kid friendly. There's nothing dirty in it, which might sound weird coming from me and Sam Tripoli, but 100%. And it's about uh, two twin girls that make friends with Bigfoot and Mothman. And Tony, don't go killing our Bigfoot. He's a good one. He's a cute one. His name's Little Biggie. But yeah, chaostwins.com. It's going to be an awesome comic. We've already blown through the first two milestones. So it's 100% getting made. Um, and I guess the next real big milestone is to make sure issue two comes out all the way up to hopefully making it into an animated series. That's like the ultimate top goal is to get, I don't know if it's Netflix or whatever, but you know, to get this shopped. So there's a awesome, you know, kids animation about Bigfoot and Mothman and reptilians and weaponizing nostalgia. I love it. I love it. Joel was talking about your project. I think it's awesome, man. Yeah, we got, I got something else I've been working on with Joel too, that I think you're going to like. Oh yeah, I know all about it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we already talked about it. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see what you guys are doing. It's awesome. Heck yeah, Tony! This has been a blast, brother. We're gonna have to have you back on, especially when you're dropping those new shows, man. Those new uh, those new documentaries, man. I'm excited to hear about it. And, yeah, uh, this yeah. has been awesome, dude. 
uh, Tony Merkel, brother in Christ. I appreciate you guys having me on. Heck yeah, man. So uh, for everybody listening right now, we're going to drop a promo for the Chaos Twins. So we're going to watch a little video real fast, and then uh, then we're out of here. So thank you, Tony. Appreciate you, brother. Dive into a realm where comedy meets cosmic adventure. Chaos Twins, created by comedian Sam Tripoli and comic publisher Paranoid Americans, will sweep you off your feet. Join two girls with the astonishing ability to morph into animals, rally with their cryptid crew, and traverse diverse dimensions. But you don't have to take my word for it. Sign up now at chaostwins.com. In a place as curious as Crown City, adventure awaits at every turn. Meet Anna and Becca, two spirited souls navigating a world filled with wonders and weirdness. Alongside their trusted allies, Biggie, Mathilda, and the Chupacabros, they'll stand against aliens, reptilians, and mysteries beyond imagination. Dive into their captivating tales and discover a world where anything is possible. For more information, visit chaostwins.com, samtripoli.com, and paranoidamerican.com.